Hey, what's up? Um, do you do you hear that knocking? Yeah, that knocking. It's my cat. It's my cat rubbing up against the the microphone. Anyway, um, yeah, it's like eleven twenty-five. I got to get on the road in like thirty-five minutes so I can make it to Jake's house, and I don't have an intro planned. I don't have one. There's my cat. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's rubbing her face up against the mic. How's that feel? Is that good? Huh? <laughs> yeah? You like that? You like that? You know, I'm trying to do something right now, and you're like rubbing your face up against the mic. What if you were trying to do something and I was rubbing my face up? Like, what if, okay, what do you do all day? Sleep and eat and crap? So if you, next time you're eating or crap and I'm going to rub my face up against you, we'll see how, how you like that. Give you a taste of your own little kitty medicine. Meow, right? All right, there's your fucking intro. <laughs> She's still doing it. Uh. Episode 61. Already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it, good it taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it, let's embrace it Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the Leftovers. leftovers. All right, Jake. Uh, episode 61, man. Yeah, you like my new look this podcast? I do, dude. You look like you're getting ready to record something in a fucking movie theater. <laughs> you got your hoodie on. Yep, it's going to be hoodie Jake this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, we're getting real serious. Yeah, no Frank this week, huh? No Frank this week. Yeah, no, no Frank. No sports talk, I'm glad. Oh, my God. What was up with that? I don't know. He kept veering off into sports talk like this was fucking ESPN or some bullshit. Yeah, I was. he, he had me lost. I know how he feels now when we start going on our comic book rants. I know. He was trying to take us down the sports road, and uh, maybe so he had something to talk about, but uh, he doesn't realize who he's talking to. So Yeah, I don't, I don't do the NFL. Yeah. So, not me. But we got something going on instead of Frank, right? Oh, yeah. Um, we've got uh, two listeners from the Army. Uh, first person, Jacob Harmon. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Welcome to the podcast. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you're into, and uh, you know how long you've been listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. All right. I've been listening since the, uh, the very early days, episode like three or four. I'm into all sorts of stuff. I read a whole lot, especially, like, young adult fiction. Really big into the R.A. Salvatore fantasy novels. I'm a super casual gamer, more of a retro gamer. And I'm really big into uh, tokusatsu and 
things like Godzilla and Power Rangers. So how do you say it? Is it Drizzit? Is that the... It's, it's Dritzed. Dritzed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, was- Salvatore actually put out uh, a whole guide on how to pronounce his names. Gotcha. I've always wanted the correct pronunciation for that one. There's actually a free audiobook on Audible right now. Oh, I've never done and, this audio. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty righteous. It's the collected stories, and it has all the proper pronunciations. Yeah, I did the first two Shannara books and then got sidetracked by some other shit. Gotcha. So, but I liked it. Oh, definitely. Well, Jacob, it's awesome to have you on, dude. You've been listening for a long-ass time, man. Yeah, it's great to finally be on and talk with you guys. Yeah, how does it feel? How does it feel? I mean, you know, you listen to us every week and shit. Like, how does it feel to, like, finally be on the show? How does that feel, man? It's like, you know, (laughs) before we connected on Skype... The clouds were gray, and then the second that connection was made, the skies parted, and sunlight and rainbows flew in. It's amazing. Is there a unicorn in there somewhere? Maybe like a yeti riding a unicorn? Maybe. I think it's a. I think it's a sasquatch, not a yeti. But there's a unicorn. Nice. There is a unicorn involved. That's beautiful. Give it time. That'll pass, right? It'll become blase for you, just like us. <laughs> the first time I snap on one of you new guys, you guys are gonna be like, "Oh shit, yeah. shit's going down." Where'd that unicorn go? <laughs> right. Right. So we're gonna talk about the uh, the Boston Bruins game, right? Uh, oh fuck. no! Welcome back, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got Jared Gafford from the Joe Schmo comic show joining us this week. So that's pretty awesome. Jared, how long have you been listening? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your show. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for probably about six or seven months. Uh, I started working at a new factory job. And when I started that, I was able to listen to podcasts, found you guys, and I've been listening ever since. Um, I am huge into comic books. Um, it's kind of what my show is all about. Um, we just kind of break down everything from the movies to the TV stuff. We break down video games every once in a while. Um, and then we have segments of like just the books that we're reading. Um, so super into comic books. I love music too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm into. I'm so jealous of you guys that have a job that can listen to podcasts while you work. Yeah. You know? I can't do that in my job. Every now and again, we, we fill the milk and the eggs from the back. I'll sneak my um, iPhone headphones out and listen to like 20, 30 minutes of podcast while I'm doing that. But that's about all I get while I work. That's all I do. It's just 10 hours of podcasts every day. <laughs> that sounds like fucking bliss if you ask me. It's uh, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do it too. That'd be gravy. I'd I would, love it. I would love it too. Yeah. Now, I hope I'm not being an asshole with this question, Brian, but is this our first official um, podcast crossover going on right it's here? It's the first co- – uh, yeah, it's a, definitely our first podcast crossover. Okay. We've never done this before. I was hoping I wouldn't shit yeah, on some sweet. other podcast, you know? No. No, <laughs> no. Nobody else really wants to join us on this thing. Gotcha. So, yeah, we got <laughs> us a sucker. Yeah. We're kind of like the uh, sexually transmitted diseases of uh, podcasting, so nobody really wants to catch anything <laughs> yeah. we've got. Make sure you tell <laughs> any other podcast you podcast right. with about this don't be a jerk yeah don't don't, don't hide that fact. i'm gonna go back to my podcast i'm just gonna be like man you guys aren't gangster enough <laughs> most 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 other podcasts out there call us pop herpes leftovers so that's pretty much what we're viewed as in the uh in the podcasting world <laughs> oh that's uh, sad speaking of herpes <laughs> Great transition. Great transition. Do you guys are you guys ready for a? Uh, br- it's been a while. Are you ready for uh, Brian's dating disasters? Oh yes. We're oh all- yes. All right, yes. guys. It's time for Brian's dating disasters. 
Sometimes our dates have a happy ending. And some other times, there's just an ending. No! <laughs> All right. So, yeah, um, I've brought it up on the show a few times that I go out on these dates. I've been doing this whole online dating thing. And I'm going to give you an interesting story here recently of one of my escapades. Are you guys ready for this? Always. All right. So. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm going to refer to this next story. Yeah, it's a segment. This is a fucking story and a segment. It had an intro. It had a bumper. It had a bumper. So now it's official. <laughs> so check this out. I'm going to refer to this next story. Uh, there's these. <laughs> there's. There, okay. There's these. Two girls that I was talking to online, right? And I'm going to refer to them as Chick 1 and Chick 2. Okay. You guys, you ready for this? All right, here we go, Jake. I'm going to show you a picture of Chick 1. You ready? Yeah, let's see this. Okay, here's Chick 1. I started talking to this girl months ago, like months ago, and we just never met. We never worked things out. Pretty girl. Yeah. Yeah. In your bikini for your profile pic. No, that's not a profile. She sent that to me. Oh, gotcha. Message. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, she wanted to be, okay, I'll get to that a little bit later. All right, so she's she, I'm gonna, she's chick one, okay, right? Okay. okay, it's like cat in the hat thing one and thing two. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I've been talking to her like a few months. We never met, you know. It's just one of those things like we talk for a little bit and then they end up going out with somebody else. And she, I guess she's like, I don't know, she's just kind of like there, but like we've never met. And so like we were actually talking about meeting. We were actually supposed to meet like meet this weekend. Okay. And so I get this message out of nowhere, and I get a message, and I'm gonna call her chick two. And here's a picture of chick two. Here's chick. Two. Okay, I like Chick Two better than Chick One. All right, so Jake likes Chick Two. Well, apparently Chick Two likes me a lot too, because Chick Two was sending me pictures like this, Jake. <laughs> how, how do you take a picture like that? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like we're being left out. This girl's a selfie master. Let's just say that. And pictures like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's happening. Yeah, Jake is just in awe of these pictures. So I'm getting these pictures, and I'm talking to Chick 1. I've been talking to her for a few months. And then I'm talking to Chick 2, right? Okay. So I'm talking to Chick 2 for like two days, and we're talking. Chick 2, man, she's just uh, she's up in her game with those pictures, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's yeah. got the A game with the pictures. Exactly. So it comes to Monday. All right, so these these conversations started on like Saturday and Sunday, right? Yeah. So it comes down to Monday. So Monday we're talking, you know, I'm at work and the, and you know, they're both at work and whatever. And I get this message and it says, "Hey, you know this girl." What what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, from some random person? No. no uh, what are you looking at? What are you in this picture? What are you looking at? Two two women. Yeah, both of those girls together. They're friends. They oh, know each what? other. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 So I get this picture from both I get this picture from the one girl Snapchatting me. Okay, who sent the picture? Was it thing one or thing two? It was chick two. Okay. It was chick two. Chick two yeah. sends me the picture and it's a picture of her with the other chick. Oh my god. They're best friends. Oh my gosh. They're best friends. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so they know each other. So I'm like, whoa, I sent a message back to like uh, a text message to Chick One. I'm like, whoa, this is really awkward. This is really awkward because I've been talking to Chick Two, you know, and I I told her, I told her straight out. I was like, you know how this thing works. I mean, people get on these dating sites. It's not like you're exclusive to one person. You talk to, you know, like a lot of different people. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I said, this is just really awkward because I never expected this to happen. 
So I've been talking to chick one, chick two, getting pictures from both of them. <laughs> both of them wanting to go out with me. And then the next day, Monday at work, I get a picture of both of them together, find out they're best friends. Oh my God. Awkward. Oh my exactly. Goodness. So now it's like, it's like that chick one is like, it's okay. It's your choice. She's like, it's your choice. Oh, I get no. to choose. Oh man. It's like you're on your own reality comp now. I know. I get to choose. So I get to choose between both of these. Can we just these- film this? <laughs> okay, so this is how I looked at it. I looked at it as like, okay, I, okay, I've been talking to chick one longer and I already promised to go out with her. Oh, yeah. So I said, I told chick two that I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see chick one. And she's like, okay, that's cool. She's my friend. I'm totally down with that. There's nothing, there's, it's no big deal, whatever. But then chick two starts sending me like, she still is like, you know, this really sucks. Oh, wow. Yeah, this really sucks. Then she ups up her game and starts sending like more of those pictures oh, and so this is like going back and forth and it's insane it's, it is insane it's very appropriate that the uh, bumper music is the love connection theme music right this is like <laughs> yeah. so, this is such a game show yeah. you got going here yeah it, it's it's totally a game show but it, but it's like i'm talking about two real women that are that are you know legitimately interested in me and want to get to know me but I had to give Chick One the benefit of the doubt. I told her, I said, you know, and then I told Chick Two, I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out with Chick One. I'm gonna go out with Chick One, and then like, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we won't hit it off, whatever. And she's like, if that's the case, then like, you know, then look me up afterwards. And so then it's like it's like I'm supposed to see Chick One, but the guys, I'm not rushing in to see Chick One because I'm still kind of like off put by this whole situation. Yeah, like, right. You know what I mean? It is crazy. I'm surprised she hasn't started yeah. bad mouthing Chick One yet. I'm surprised that happened. They, they both they both said, and I'm texting them both, and 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 at the same time, and they're both saying, "No, don't worry, you're not going to get in between us. We're like the best of friends. You're not going to get. You're not going to ruin our friendship. Don't worry about that. Maybe you should get in between them." <laughs> <laughs> All right, which brings me to the next part of the story. All right, so here we go. I get a message from her. She's like, on Friday morning, she's like, "What are you doing tonight?" This was Chick One. And I'm like, nothing, really. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working late, so I don't know if I'm going to be, like, down for anything Friday night, but I'm working kind of late. And she's like, well, I've got, a, I've got a hotel room here, and I'm having a few friends over. And I go, okay. I go, that's interesting. And I said, oh, that'd be kind of awkward if chick number two is one of your friends that's going. Because you imagine she would be. <laughs> exactly, because they're best of friends, yeah. right? So she sends me another message back saying that, yes, Chick 2 will be there. Oh, no. So, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's the thing. It's like they're totally cool with – they want me to go. They both want me to go. They want me to go there Friday night and meet up with both of them and hang out. But it's supposed to be, like, the first time I'm meeting Chick 1. So it's like, is this a date or what is this? What's going on here? What would you have done in that situation, Jake? Like, say you're you're like a single guy, whatever. I would tell him. I would just like. I mean, you've been straight up truthful with him so far. I would just say that that's awkward to me. If I'm gonna, you know, go out with both of you, I want to meet you both for the first time. Right. It'd be very awkward to meet chick two. Yeah. When you're meeting chick one for the first time, like, what are they doing? It seems like they're up to something. Exactly. Like they're gonna decide which one of them right. is gonna be the one to date right. you more right. than you. Is it kind of feels like right? So yeah, Jacob so- Jacob Harmon, what were you done, Chief? I uh, I totally agree with what Jake was saying. The only possible benefit of meeting them both in like a party kind of setting is that if something just instantly doesn't click with Chick One, maybe Chick Two's you know a better match, and you're right there from the get go, or vice versa. Right. 
Yeah, a convenient standpoint. I like it. All right, Jared, Joe Schmo Comic Show. I want your input, Chief. You're married. You 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 know what you're you know what you're doing when it comes to the ladies because you've got one locked down. I mean, she's in love with you, and you guys are doing great. What would you have done, man? Well, the the awkward part is, what if you get to the party and you don't click with either of them? Then you're stuck at a party with these two chicks, and you're like, yeah. oh, now what do I do? Right, you're right. <laughs> well, still, one so. awkward date is better than two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe it's I mean, like speed dating. Yeah. <laughs> just just sit them down and be like, all right, you got two minutes. Give me what you got. And then sit the other one down and be like, all right, now it's your two minutes and see what happens. <laughs> all right. Do you guys want to know what your badass fearless leader did? Oh, there's more. Oh, oh no. <laughs> all right. Introducing chick three. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so is, is she also... No, best she, friends. She knows none of them. Gotcha. No, she she's, lives, she's the mom. Chick three lives in a completely separate town. She knows none of them. There's no drama attached to that <laughs> shit. So I started talking to Chick three. Me and Chick three went out last night. So all right, <laughs> was it a disaster? Most like Vegas odds say yes. <laughs> I'll take the two to one instead of the five to one, bro. All right. <laughs> so I met Chick three last night. We met. We went. Uh, we went uh, to a restaurant uh, in Springfield. It's called Darcy's Pint. Um, it was actually featured on Man vs. Food. Mm. Uh, Adam Richmond went there. They've got like a really good horseshoe and shit. But none of us got the horseshoe. I've I've had them there before, but. You know, we went there, I met her, and I had a great time. Nice. Very, very cool. I'm glad I went with Chick 3. This is like the dating game, isn't it? Like yeah. Love Connection. We need to get a camera guy to follow you around for serious. <laughs> yes. I, I want to see your dates like get the like blind date style with pop-up, funny pop-up things that you're thinking yeah. while they're happening. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. So we're talking last night, and we're, I'm, I, I picked her up in my car. Dude, and... Women love my car, number one, Jake. Mm-hmm. They love my car. I drive a I drive a Camaro, green Camaro, 2010. Yeah. Women love the nice. car. It's a real unique color of green, yeah. too, so it really stands out. So I pick her up in the car, and, like, at night, like, inside, like, the doors, they glow green. And so it's she's like, she'll, she just feels like she's in a fucking, like, uh, I don't know, like a rap video or, like, some <laughs> kind of, like, club or some shit, dude. She's loving it. She's well, like, and you're pouring champagne. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm pouring champagne. And so we're in the car and we're talking, and I don't know why she brought this up. I don't know how it came up, but she tells she ends up telling me she's like, you know, we're t- she's talking. Okay, I've been married. She had been married. She talked about a divorce. I told her after the divorce, I got my car, and she's like, after my divorce, I got, I got my boobs. <laughs> and so she's telling me like, yeah, she had she had a boob job done. Wow. So she she's telling me she's just telling me like bam I've got I got my boobs done. What a crazy thing that to go mentally. Oh, I just got a divorce. What am I going to do to make myself feel better? Boobs. Yep, that's <laughs> that was her thing. Like mine was the car, hers were the boobs. And then we keep talking a little bit and we start talking. She's telling me she goes like uh she's like I got I wear contacts. She's like this is not my this is not my real eye color. And I look at her and I go, "Is anything on you real?" <laughs> That's awesome. I was thinking it before you said it. Yeah. I was like, what is real on this girl? I know, but it was hilarious. No, but we had a great time. We had a great time. Went back to her place and like uh, watched a little bit of TV and then I bounced. But yeah, good times. So yeah, we're going to go out on a second date. That's happening. I'm getting a second date. That's nice. crazy. So how do you get them? How do you get these dates to sign the waiver about being on this podcast? Oh, they're not coming on this podcast. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean about being mentioned. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not using any names. I know, I'm just joking. I'm just... <laughs> oh, man. No. 
you, if, got, you got scared. Well, yeah. let me let me show you what's behind door number one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, Brian's uh, dating disasters. That's the first segment. That was that. good. Yeah, so that was worthy of a bumper. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. We're gonna take a quick <laughs> break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna start with good pop, bad pop. I'm fresh. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to do some good pop, bad pop this week. Uh, I think everybody's got something to bring to the table. Um, so good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right. Sometimes. No, not again. <laughs> I didn't know. Trust me. In, be, in between, in between break, I didn't go on a date. I swear. <laughs> update. It's a. It's an update. All points bulleted. Chick number five. Yeah. No. 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 Nothing. Nothing happened there. Good pop. Bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week or weeks that we either watched or read that we liked or disliked. Um, sometimes throughout the show, we will rate things, and if you're new to the show, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. First thing I wanted to talk about. What Jake? You I, got I just, something on your mind? I just I love our rating system. I really love tossing shit. I just mm-hmm. love saying that. I toss this shit. I yeah. will, uh, I love it. It's good stuff. The Tupperware is great too. Yeah. When you toss something, you toss it with authority. Exactly. Like yeah. I I I, I saw what you put out there that you're showing people that you want people to love. And you know what? I saw I saw your passion. I watched your passion, and I tossed that shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thanks I for love- throwing it out there. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so it's you know so finite. I, t- I tossed that shit. Right, right. You guys spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to make this fucking thing, or even millions in some cases. We watched it, and we think it's a pile of shit, and we toss it. Yeah. I just want to go ahead and, and toss Dracula Unbound right now, too. I'm going to jump ahead. Dracula. <laughs> or whatever it is. The Dracula Untold? Untold, yeah. I toss it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I'm I don't gonna, even think I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be Nostradamus and just toss that movie. Yeah, I'm going to toss it, too. Uh, nice. Right there with you. All right. So we, we're you, ahead of the game. Are you guys tossing that? Or are you looking forward to that fucking thing? I like the uh, the actor that they have there playing Dracula. Yeah, who is but, that? Uh, he was in the Hobbit, Hobbit movies, I'm is, pretty sure. Is that Luke Evans? Who's he playing the Hobbit movies? Is it Luke Evans? Uh, in the second Hobbit movie, he's the... He's the one who's supposed to shoot that special spike that'll kill Smog. Okay. I can't think of his name. Gotcha. I don't know. He just looks, I don't know. Maybe him and Luke Evans just look alike. I have no idea. Yeah, that movie just looks terrible to me. I don't know what it is about it. I think it is going to be part of the expanded universal horror uh, monster movies. I think they are going to incorporate that into it. I tossed the whole universe in. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I don't want to see other horror movies done in that. But style. what if they said? What if they said? What if they said the guy that is going to be our Joss Whedon that's going to head up this whole thing is Guillermo del Toro? That would be great. But I mean, that'd be awesome. But yeah. I mean, that's not this. 
I know. Yeah, but he's not attached to this. <laughs> I know, but like, what if Guillermo del Toro said, you know what? Yeah, that movie did blow. It fucking sucked. <laughs> he said that movie sucked, but you know what? I'm going to turn Dracula into a cool ass motherfucker, and we're going to get a good movie out of this, and we're going to get like Frankenstein and like, you know, the mummy and like, uh, you know, uh, the, the creature from the Blue Lagoon or whatever the fuck uh, to come in here, and they're going to be badass. Yeah, if we get a good movie out of this, I mean, then that's a win. That's the best we can hope for from mm-hmm. this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry to derail it right from the beginning. Who here watched uh, <laughs> Star Wars Rebels? I did. I did. I did. Everybody did. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, watch the new Star Wars Rebels movie, Spark of the Rebellion, that was on Disney XD. Now, it's set 14 years after Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, and five years before Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Rebels takes place during an era when the Galactic Empire is securing its grip on the galaxy and hunting down the last of the Jedi Knights, while a fledgling rebellion against the Empire is taking form. The visual style of Star Wars Rebels is inspired by the original Star Wars trilogy concept art by Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, it stars Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan Jarrus, Taylor Gray as Ezra Bridger, uh, Stephen Bloom as Gerizeb Zeb Aurelios, Tyra Sakar as Sabine Wren, Vanessa Marshall as Hira Sindula, Jason Isaacs as the Inquisitor, uh, David Oyello as Agent Callus. Um, we're going to go ahead and what we're going to do and Joe, uh, Joe Schmo comic show, you are going to have to rate this with our rating system, chief. How does that feel? You there? I'm down with that. All right. You're down with it. So you're going to have to do the toss it, taste it Tupperware. You can't do that. You can't do that. Joe Schmo comic show shit. You can't do that here. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. (laughs) I know. I know you're, 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 you're comfortable with that being in your surroundings and, and using that rating system, but you got to go with toss it, taste it Tupperware. So don't forget. Cause I know it's easy to forget. You're out of your element. I got it. Okay. Now I'm not out of my element. In fact, I actually, in everyday life, I've found myself going, you know what? I tossed that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It's too much fun tossing stuff. All right. Very cool. So everybody's going to get to toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Um, who wants to go first? Jake, do you want to go first and talk about uh, Star Wars Rebels, the movie? Yeah, I can go first. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to taste this. Um, I was really looking forward to this. I'm a huge fan of the series that came before the uh, Clone Wars stuff. Yeah, I um, really like it a lot. Um, this was okay to me. It wasn't the best thing ever, but I'm excited to see more. Even the Clone Wars, the start of it, I think was a taste at first for me, and then that show became a Tupperware. What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? I did like, I did like seeing all the classic trilogy stuff in this CG cartoon universe for the first time. We right. never got any of that in Clone Wars, you know. I loved seeing the TIE Fighters. I loved hearing all the sound effects. Um, absolutely loved the music. Um, hearing all those classic trilogy um, drops and everything was really great. Okay. Um, I'm iffy on the characters. None of the characters really stood out to me as giant standout characters. Um, Ezra really didn't pop to me. Um, what's the main character's name? Who's the Jedi? That was uh, Cannon. Cannon. Yeah, Cannon. Yeah, he didn't really pop to me. Almost seemed like a little bit of a cross between a Han Solo and a Ben Kenobi as one character, and he didn't really pop to me yet. Um, his alien buddy didn't really pop too much to me. Um, so I think this show has a lot of work to do to get me excited to watch it every week. Like I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna DVR it, but I'm hoping it doesn't just stack up on my DVR and I forget about it because it it wasn't mind-blowing to me okay it was very it was very interesting and i i definitely didn't hate it yeah so, solid taste it 
All right, um, Jacob Harmon, what are you, what are your thoughts about uh, Star Wars Rebels, man? I also give it a really solid taste. It and this really gives me hope, not only for the rest of Rebels as a series, a new but hope for Episode Seven. <laughs> yes, it is a new hope. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love the animation style, and hearing the old music again was definitely. It, ma- it makes the Star Wars experience. Yeah, that was the highlight. Okay. And I, I think uh, definitely, what was the character's name? Sabine? Right. I love that character design. Yeah. Which, which one was Sabine? Is Sabine the alien buddy? No. She's the... Uh, the oh, she's the, she's the feet with the yeah. pink Bubba Fat hat. She's right. the... She's, the, yeah. she's, a, she's, she's pretty awesome. She's a legitimate Mandalorian. She's a legitimate... Okay, gotcha. She's Mandalorian. Okay. So, yeah, she's a legitimate Mandalorian. She's just not, like, rocking the Mandalorian armor. She's a Mandalorian. I, I, I liked seeing the pink splashed on the Mandalorian armor. That was pretty cool. It oh, was definitely. Cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go ahead and rate it, too, and then we'll hear from you, Jared. Um, I really – guys, I really like this show. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Not, nice. I loved it. I, I had a great time watching it. Usually when I'm watching something, I'm usually checking my phone at all times. Mm-hmm. Dude, I had my phone just sitting down. I was just totally into this shit because, like, it was – for me, it featured – I thought the characters were pretty interesting. I really enjoyed Zeb. Um, the, the big purple alien mm-hmm. dude yeah, had a lot of fun with him. He, he reminds me of like mm-hmm. the love child of Jason Statham and the Cheshire cat. Yeah. He's kind of the Chewbacca <laughs> analog of this, right? A, a, little, a little bit, bit, a little bit, but he, he, he's more grizzled and kind of like, uh, he's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like one of the grumpy old men. Like he's either like a Jack Lemon or fucking Walter Matthau. Yeah, like, maybe Chewbacca meets Cup from Transformers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, get the fuck off my lawn. Let me tell you about <laughs> the old days. You're too young to understand me. I'm getting too old for this shit. You know, fucking Murtaugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's what there was a little bit of Gimli in there. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Gimli, absolutely. Um, I thought the action was great. I, I loved watching them uh, on like the not, not the speeders. That but opening the, sequence where they were on the speeders, yeah, stealing yeah. the cargo was a great action sequence. It was so much fun. I had a great time watching that. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing some of the vehicles, like you said, that we didn't get to see in the Clone Wars. We got to see them here in Rebels. I mean, there were some names teased in the episode that was fun. Uh, I even thought, uh, you know, even though the character's dead in this in the canon, I thought it was cool to hear Ezra use the name of Jabba the Hutt. I thought that was very funny. I laughed at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I laughed. I laughed yeah. at that too. So you know what? For 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 the first fucking like movie and shit, this was not anything close to like Empire Strikes Back. Don't get me wrong. No. But this was more like a new hope where it was just fun people getting to know each other there's some banter back and forth I, th- I thought there was great character interaction that reminded me of like this is like this is the Star Wars I want to see this is the and I mean we got fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi in this fucking episode oh yeah and, and I love that part too and yep. it was like it, it was just a cool callback to a new hope where you fucking saw like the uh, the 3D printout of fucking Leia uh, asking Obi-Wan Kenobi that you know you're, you're our only hope and I, I love the callback to that. I love, I just, I had a great time watching this thing, had a lot of fun. It's a Tupperware for me, this first episode. It may go down from here, but I just had a lot of fun watching these new characters and being back in this world. Maybe, maybe it's just my excitement because this, this is the first new canon that we've had. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I think it, I'm excited for the show to become a Tupperware. Like I said, I, I think even the first episode of Clone Wars was the same way because yeah. it started with a movie also. Right. I think it was actually even a theatrical release for the Clone Wars episode one, if I'm not wrong about that. 
but yeah, and then that show, I think this show, just like that show, once it gets to do some individual character piece episodes and I get to warm up to these characters a little bit more, you know, and I'm not looking up what their names are and I'm a little bit more like involved with the show yeah. in that way, I think it, it has a strong chance of becoming a Tupperware for me. Yeah. Um, Jared, man, what are your thoughts on this, man? Yeah, I actually, um, I really liked it. Uh, I just to preface this, I didn't have like I've not seen the Clone Wars. I actually just started watching that on Netflix um, pretty recently. Um, I I love Star Wars, but it's just one of those things that um, with all the other things that I do, um, I have a hard time squeezing everything in. So I went into this with not a whole lot of. Um, I guess expectations. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it was really fun. I, I actually liked a lot of the characters. Um, and, uh, I thought the, I, when Clone Wars came out, I never really gave it a chance. Um, just because I, I wasn't crazy about the animation right at first. Um, and when I started watching this and got, 10, 15 minutes into it, I was like, I actually, I actually really enjoy this. This is actually pretty cool. So, um, I'm actually going to give it a Tupperware. Um, this is, is really, um, exciting me for, um, what they have coming with it next. And, and like you said, I think it's really fun to see some new canon, um, and, and something that we haven't really seen before. So. Yeah, you guys want to talk a little bit about spoilers? That's awesome. Two Tupperwares, two taste it's. Yeah. Now it's going to be a while before we get to see the next episode of this, right? Like, no, it, it's I- not in a week. Really? I, I, I could have sworn it. I thought it was going to – okay, like they showed the movie on Friday. I thought the new episodes are going to start like on a Monday. I was trying to set it up on my DVR and I couldn't find a second episode anyway. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this maybe did premiere early. Like it was supposed to start on a Friday and then the show was supposed to start like the next Monday. Yeah, at one point that was the plan. I, and okay. I, I think somehow that's changed. Right on. Um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about spoilers? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing too spoilery in this thing that we can say, I don't think, right? I, I think the biggest spoiler is the fact that there are still Jedi in the universe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, though. We don't know what any of these characters' fates are going to be before Episode Four actually picks up. Yeah, that's so, true. That's interesting. Were you guys kind of blown yeah. away? I mean, like, when we first saw, like, the lightsaber, I was just thinking, like, okay, like, this is going to be, like, a kind of like a Matrix Neo thing where he, you know, the Ezra finds out that he does have, like, midi-chlorians or whatever the fuck and he can be a Jedi. I had no idea, spoilers, that uh, Canon Jarrus is going to be a fucking Jedi. Yeah, see, I had seen the cover of the hardback book. Right. And it's him welding the lightsaber ah, gotcha, on the cover. Gotcha. So that was a little bit of a non-reveal to me gotcha. just, just because of that book yeah, cover. Yeah. But yeah, if you didn't know, I mean, yeah. they played it off like you, you weren't supposed to know. So well, I'm sure it worked. I'm thinking a Jedi is going to have his lightsaber like, you know, right on the hip. Yeah. I never thought that he yeah. would have it just like stowed away on, underneath some bed or some bullshit. You, you know what I mean? Keep it on the DL in this day and age, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought think- that was – go ahead. Do you think any of the like his crew? Do you think they all knew he was a Jedi? Because I kind of had this feeling like um, when he called that play, where whatever it was, I can't remember uh, what play he called, but there was like this feeling like they kind of knew, but they didn't really know. I think they knew. I, I just because of that part exactly. Like he yeah. he said something so they would know what he was going to do. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think the crew knew because like if he didn't reveal that to them, it would have been a bigger moment. Like whoa, why? You know, we've been we've been working together. Why are you keeping this from me? I think they were just as much a part of the secret as he was. Yeah, you okay. know what I mean. And I think I mean yeah. if they show any like 
emotion of shock. It's just because the Jedi thing is on such the DL because if you come out, you're going to get whacked. That, right. That he's not doing that kind of thing all the time. So they're just as shocked to see that kind of display of power Fair as enough. anyone else. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't see any like resentment or anger. Yeah. You know what I mean? More awe. Right. Guys, when did Ezra get that cube? That cube that that thing reminded me of the Hellraiser cube. Yeah, I couldn't help but think of that. Yeah. Um, when did he get that? Was that that was he like, got that one in town? They locked him into that room. Yeah, he they like, lo- they locked him into that room and he had it on him. But he, did he get that in town? No, it was in the room, right? He got it in the room. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because he he was snooping. He was snooping in there and he opened up. Because remember, the force kind of like brought him into that room. Okay. I and li- then he pushed the little button underneath or whatever, and it popped out, and he saw it right there. Right. I liked I, – I, a lot of people didn't like the character of Ezra. I liked him even though he's only 14. Um, I could still relate more to him than I could like young Anakin. Yeah. Um, and, Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I liked him. He was he – was, you know, they introduced him as more like a thief, but then he redeems himself. He has kind of like traits of Robin Hood in my opinion when he took it upon himself to like protect that alien in the town that was going to be arrested and taken away. Um, but then again, you know, he – He did steal his food after He did steal his him. food after that, but I think, you know, it could have been a lot worse for that alien. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to lose whatever this fruit or vegetable is or I could go to jail and lose my entire business and livelihood. Um, you know, and then I, I thought the whole chase scene when it's kind of like that Ocean's Eleven caper where they're trying to steal those crates from each other. Yeah. That was so much fun yeah. because it was like you got the Empire, you've got like uh, uh, Canon Jarrus and like his crew of pirates or whatever. And then Ezra on top of that is like the X Factor, dude. That whole thing was so much action. It was so much fun for me to watch that. It reminded me of watching like an original Star Wars story. It was a lot of fun yeah. for me. Yeah, I, that was a great action sequence. I thought the sequence where they were gunning down the TIE fighter was a great action sequence yeah um they they 3d realized space and the space battles really well i loved how we were like yeah, flying agree. through the space explosions and a lot of the effects with them um, exploding tie fighters and the space flight was really unique we hadn't really seen anything like that even on clone wars before true um yeah i agree now you know i we can tell the leader of that group is canon jarris and i mean we don't know much about him um and it's what I like about this, though, like they steal the crates, then Ezra jumps in to take them. And then there's that chase, like I said, um, the fact that Canon Jarrus, like he kind of noticed like something's different with Ezra, even though he didn't want to like have him be a part of that group. Like when he jumped with that crate, he could see like the skill level. I think he knows that this kid has like a higher midichlorian level. I think he knows something's up with uh, with Ezra. Yeah, and we've seen that kind of stuff displayed before in Star Wars movies, so that makes perfect sense. You know, it's like Gwygon's feelings about Anakin yeah. before even testing him. Right. So, I'm, I, yeah, I think you're very much on point with that statement. Well, okay, so when the um, they were doing that chase scene and – he looked at him after uh, Ezra basically uh, went around after his uh, speeder exploded and he kind of looked at him. That was my first hint as to um, where I thought that there was something doing dealing with the force there. Like either um, Kanan had something to do with it or he felt it on Ezra or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, 
it's a good giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't take it as – I was just kind of like wrapped up in the story and just like letting the story take me where it went. I wasn't trying to like figure things out as I was watching it. But looking yeah. back on it, that's like it's a to- it's a total giveaway. Yeah, it's hard to like have that sensibilities because in these kind of shows, everyone seems to be able to be an action star, whether or not they're Jedi or not. Right. So you, you don't know whether right. to take that as a display of force powers or yeah. just natural action scene ability that everyone has. Well, you were kind of privy to the information of the character wielding the lightsaber that he's going to be a Jedi anyway. Exactly. But, but, but the thing is, it's like you don't have to be a Jedi to wield a lightsaber. No. So, but you were kind of, you were yeah, leaning that way. Yeah, but the show is like him prominently welding the lightsaber. Right. I don't think that's going to be the cover of the book if it's just he's picking it up and using it for a minute. It would have been a cool kind of like Shyamalan <laughs> twist though, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just... I just fucking ganked this lightsaber and now I like, you know, I wield this motherfucker. I just wanted to look cool for the book cover. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you guys think that's his lightsaber or do you think that he like became a Jedi after everything happened um, in episode three? I feel like he has a story to tell and we'll get those flashbacks in this show. I think maybe yeah. he even had a relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I think so too. He seems very unmoved by Obi-Wan's like final message. Not an apprentice. Yeah. Not yeah. an apprentice of Obi-Wan, of course. But maybe he maybe he was like uh, – we don't know his age. Maybe he was like uh, an apprentice of uh, one of Qui-Gon Jinn's apprentices. Yeah. Can we jump to the very end? Yeah, that's possible. Go for it, Jake. What would you think about David Isaac as the Inquisitor for his one line? Uh, I was glad to finally see an Inquisitor. Yeah. But other than that, I wasn't too impressed. But it was just like, okay, okay, they, they're introducing Inquisitors, so I'm in. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're diving right into that probably next episode or two. So Yeah, and I think yeah. the Inquisitors are going to be something that we're going to see in Star Wars Episode Seven. So I think that's kind of a like a huge thing to watch because they've been talking about these Jedi hunters and how from like how uh, um how they're much like the these inquisitors so i think that we're going to see the inquisitors in fucking star wars episode 7 too i think that'll be a tie in yeah i think so too you, i definitely you think they'll hope have that the con- we do. oh go ahead harman oh i was just saying i really hope that we get to see whether or not they call them inquisitors in episode 7 but something like that in that would be phenomenal yeah yeah yeah, I th- do you think they'll keep the continuity? And if they do have the Inquisitors in Episode Seven, do you think they'll have David Isaacs come back and either voice one or actually be that character? Mm, I, I don't think so. It'll probably be the same like group, but different people. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think like uh, I think you're right there, Jake. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll have like the same voices or anything like that. But I think. Uh, we're going to see, I think we're going to see Inquisitors in Star Wars Episode 7, and I think uh, it'll be a kind of a cool tie in. I think that, I think that Disney XD and, and Lucasfilm, the, uh, you know, now with Kathleen Kennedy, I think they're working really closely with what's going on in Rebels. I yeah. do, I do. I think they're keeping an eye on that stuff and, and tying in what they want to tie in. Yeah, I think they are too. You know what really, this is not the, the show's fault, but one thing that really annoyed me about this show was, um, how prominent the Disney Channel logo was on the screen the entire time. It was really off-putting. It's like yeah. in a bold white color and it's not even in the corner of the screen like it's supposed to be. It's like, like a few inches from the left of the screen. So it's like almost like nudging its way to the middle of the screen. Hmm. It was really, I, really distracting to me, especially during the cool action sequences. I didn't even notice. Oh, I'm like, get out of there. Disney channel logo, at least be transparent for Christ's sakes. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't I notice. think one of the really neat things about, uh, the actual special 
is that the next day it was available for sale at Walmart. Oh, I heard it was available that morning, dude, before it even aired. Yeah, that is wild. Oh, really? oh I didn't hear that. Yes, I heard like uh, somebody on our Facebook page was like, hey, if you can't wait to see it tonight, go to Walmart now. You can pick it up. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Extra I think footage, you're start too. seeing more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, they've done that before. I'm trying to remember what show. I guess they do that with like Doctor Who, like the pilot, the Doctor Who pilot's usually available on Blu-ray or DVD right away after they air it too. Mm. So, hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's see here. So the show, the day before it was even, the day before it was even premiered, they already announced that it's been renewed for season two. Nice. So they've got a lot of faith into this going forward. Um, Dave Filoni, he's the executive producer of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, he had an interview with Collider, and he was uh, they were asking about, like, what Easter eggs can we expect to see in the show? And here's what he had to say. He said, it's hard to tell with Star Wars fans what constitutes an, an, Easter, egg, an Easter egg anymore. I could do something very simple. And then people are so excited about it and act like I put it out there for them. So I'm like, yes, I did. The, ans- <laughs> the answer is that it's not hard at all. What I find is that I'll do something that feels selfish and go, well, I saw this in the Return of the Jedi sketchbook as a kid and it's never been in a film, so I want to put it in a film. An entire generation of people relates to that. We put the the troop transport into the show and that was a Kenner toy that was never in the film. We needed a transport for the Imperials and I said, how about that old Kenner one? I had that. I love that thing. People are very excited about that. Star Wars works best when you can watch it over and over again and see new things in the background and realize that droid was in the background there or this species that never talked about before, uh, never, that was never talked about before does now. There are a lot of fun things that you can do. So like, it sounds like Dave Filoni, he knows his shit. He's a Star Wars fan. Oh yeah, Dave Filoni definitely knows his shit. Well, he did the, he, yeah, he did the Clone Wars and all that stuff, so. Yeah. Um, did you notice the one thing I really liked was the uh, Grand Moff Tarkin is a, still a big asshole name drop with yes. the uh, Tarkin Town or I, the Tarkin Farm? Is that what they called it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was really funny. What did you guys think? I want to know what you guys thought about like the whole like uh, throwing the Wookies into the episode. Do you think that was forced? Do you think that was that was a fun thing? I'm, you know, the Wookies <clears throat> kind of looked a little weird to me. I, I, I saw a couple other people saying the same thing, and I got to tell you, I fall in that camp. Something about the CG rendering of the Wookiee looked really off to me. Mm-hmm. Like were, I did, this, were the Wookiees in Clone Wars? Yeah, and they looked. I think they looked better than this. Did they? Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was like the the. It just didn't look right. It was more me. like a kid friendly Wookiee or something. Yeah, it, yeah. it looked like from a different cartoon though. It didn't look yeah. like it meshed as well with the other things. It was one of my one of my mm-hmm. few complaints about the graphics in the cartoon was the Wookiees could have been better. I thought. Yeah. So I'll say yeah. they were kind of thrown in there. Yeah. No, I liked I, I I don't know. It didn't bother me. Yeah, that was probably like the weakest point of the whole fucking movie though in my opinion. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of little stuff like that like, "Oh, we're going to go to Kessel." So, you know, that's cool because we name yeah. dropped Kessel in the original movies yeah, and everything. Yeah, that's true. And they really kind of wasted it. Like we really didn't get to learn much of like Kessel's like planet and what's going on there and everything like right so they, they just yeah. kind of wasted the idea of visiting kessel we didn't see the spice mines we didn't see anything really cool like that you know yeah they talk about the spice mines we didn't get to see the spice mines yeah yeah so it was just like a big name drop a bunch yeah. of name droppers yeah yeah all right so yeah two taste it's and uh two tupperwares that's good that's good we didn't get a toss it so that's cool yeah and i would i love to toss things so i would have yeah so yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about one more thing here real quick, and then uh, I got Jacob Harmon. He's, I got him uh, wanting to talk about something here. So I wanted to talk about – it's a Dutch – Dutch pinball has made a big Lebowski pinball machine. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's insane. Sweet. Have you guys seen this thing? No. No. I'm going to post the pictures on our Facebook. Um, it's been unveiled. The machine, uh, they unveiled it in a launch party earlier this week. Um, there is a, a ton of fine attention to detail in the design of this pinball machine. I know it's got the bowling alley. Yeah. Uh, uh, the pop bumpers are modeled after the bra Julianne Moore wears in the fantasy sequence. <laughs> nice. Nice. This next part is amazing. There is a very realistic 3D white Russian mm. that's painted mm. off to the side. And when you look at it from a certain angle, it looks like a we- real white Russian drink sitting there on the pinball table. It's oh, wow. amazing. That's I'm cool. looking at the pictures of that right now, and it literally looks like someone just set their drink down. Doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's insane. It is insane. Um, yeah, Jake, like you were saying, it, the pinball game, it looks like it's uh, like a mix of uh, pinball and a bowling alley. Um, the rolled-up rug is a barrier as you hit it. Uh, the rug starts to unroll and unlock six different rug modes as you continue to hit it. Okay, yeah. So uh, – Jacob, you're looking at that. You're looking at that white Russian in the game. Absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, man? I just pulled it up too. Did you? You guys digging That's this? Insane. You digging this machine? I really hope that the uh, movie theater by me gets one of these in there because oh, man, I want to log some hours on this. Well, if you want to pre-order it and you have eighty-five hundred dollars to drop, you can do that right now. <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna sell my hero clicks and get that shit. There you go. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful pinball machine. It really is. It's really awesome. Yeah, I have a huge affinity for pinball machines, so you know, I I would love to have a pinball machine. I'd love the Rocky and Bullwinkle one. Mm-hmm. I'd love the Episode One one. The Tales from the Crypt one, the Twilight Zone one. There's a bunch of good ones out there. Uh, I used to play uh, – my favorite one was just a simple game. It was called Excalibur. And oh. it had – no, it was called the the Black Knight. Okay. And it was a picture of like a, like a Black Knight on there. It was just a very simple uh, pinball game. I like the Kiss game. Yeah. Uh, the Simpsons. Oh, I loved the Simpsons. Um, the Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm trying to think of uh, another one that I was a big fan of. Did I say the Kiss one? What about one? the Indiana yeah. Jones? Indiana Jones one was great. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I love that Rocky and Bullwinkle one. That was my favorite, I think. If I could buy any one, that'd be the one I'd buy. Yeah. So. Never played that one. Yeah, it was a good one. Our Aladdin's Castle had it, so. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. yeah. Aladdin's Castle. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay, so our next uh, thing with the Good Pop, Bad Pop is actually kind of like a spur-of-the-moment little thing that we got going on here. Uh, David Griffin uh, domesticated Dave from our uh, website is uh, is here. Wow, this is unexpected. What up, Dave? What's Hola. up? How we doing, What's everybody? Up? Ladies and gentlemen, domesticated Dave. Who are these strange voices that I hear in my earphones? Is that Jacob Harmon? Is that you, buddy? You betcha. Oh, good to hear your voice, man. And Likewise, uh, my friend. Do I hear a schmo out there? Is there a schmo? Oh, yeah. My <laughs> That's your cue. He's like, I don't, I don't answer to that. So, excuse me. I am no schmo. Thank you very much. That's hilarious. 
He's too good to talk to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, that guy does that other comic podcast. I'm not talking to him. I, I think there's a little bit of a delay. Is there a delay, guys? Yeah, think, there's a little delay. I think there is a delay. I've yeah. noticed it too. Like yeah. we ask a question so. and there's like this like two second pause. Either that or just Dave takes them off guard and they're scared to death. No, Jared's just like <laughs> – he's like getting all like sharks and jets on me, man. He's like, I got, I got a rival here. Call me a fucking schmo, will you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm, – I'm pissed at you, Dave, because I didn't get my podcast this week. What's up with that? Oh, oh wow. that was a loaded question. Wow. wow. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Wow. Dave. Funny you should mention I'm that. I'm joking. Uh, all right, so Dave, you uh, you do your own podcast, right? You want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Uh, well, uh, if you want to listen to a little talk about comic books, it's called the Soda Pop Comics Cast. I am uh, a big fan of comic books and music. I don't normally hang, can't normally hang with these guys because though I am not an ex-man, I am an ex-alcoholic, and boy, these two know how to party, let me tell you. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I got me a 16-year-old co-host by the name of Bryce Logan. Now, he's, don't give me trouble about his age because let me tell you, this guy is not your normal 16-year-old, covered in tattoos like Dr. Manhattan on his arms, let me tell you, writes comic books, you know, uh, Set up an interview with Cullen Bunn of all, you know, the guy who writes Sinestro and Magneto. This kid's awesome. And the whole thing I do about comic books is I want to pass it on to that next generation. I don't have a comic book collection. I spend 120 bucks a month on comic books, but I give them away to my friends' kids. And now I'm actually thinking about saving some of them, just like the real good stuff for my son. I'm a daddy now. And I want. That's awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a sinister minister of all things graphic novel that I now have my little youth minister who's going to like preach with me all of the wonderful tidings of comic books. Uh, I don't know if about you guys. I don't know why you read comic books, but I, I don't like myself very much. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you, do you get that? You know, sometimes people like religion gets a bad rap because, yeah. uh, it's it, it should be about common ground, and uh, I comic books appealed to me because it made me want to be a better man. I didn't like who I was, but I liked these characters. I wanted to be like these characters, and when you latch on to this, this concept of the new American gods, the 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 hierarchy of Batman and. Superman and Wonder Woman, the Trinity, as they even call them. Uh, soda Pop Comics cast is just some guys sipping on some soda pop, talking about music that we love. We play, uh, we feature an artist that is not signed every week that is sort of themed along with the topics. The newest episode was our first hip-hop artist where we talked about Hip Hop Family Tree by Ed Piscor. And... Um, well, we've we've had some trouble with finding another co-host, and we need your help, Brian, Jay, like these guys. You got you just called him Jay, Jake. Excuse me. Wow, Jay. wow. <laughs> so he came wow. to us. We we have experience dealing with troublesome co-hosts, right? 
In my defense, Jake is like covered from head to toe like a Sith Lord. Like all you can see is like this little like rim of glasses hanging out of his dark hoodie. Jake is rocking the hoodie right now. It is true. I just came from uh, recording a video on my phone while watching a movie at the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, uh, I wanted to thank you very much. These guys have been amazingly helpful every step of the way. Uh, they're they're real humble, but they're awesome. I am I am the Padawan to their Obi Wan Kenobi's. Did you say Padawan? Pod, Padawan. Uh, oh, uh, nice uh, play on words I'm, there. Uh, <laughs> I like and, it. Uh, uh, he, he, he he's still mad at me because I because I I call it Smaug. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! Can I can I say that was like the deepest answer to why someone reads comics I've ever heard in my life? I yeah. feel like I feel like an idiot. You know? Yeah. Just, seriously, like I the just like the pictures. That's what I mean. <laughs> That's totally what I was going to say. I was like, I was going to give you like an, I like turtles answer. You know what I mean? Mine was going to be, I like pictures. Um, The the comic books are really colorful. (laughs) Right. Right. That was very deep. Very deep. No, but uh, see, you're doing, you're doing Soda Pops Comics uh, podcast. And you are, you are, you right now, you're, you're wanting to, you're wanting to audition some additional hosts yeah, for the yeah. show. I'm opening up a restaurant in like three weeks. Yeah. And uh, life's pretty crazy, but I, I desperately need the relaxation and meditation of my comic books every week. I, I didn't have I didn't have a recording this week. And it was weird. Yeah. I was I was like, what am, <laughs> what am I gonna do? I, I I'm so, my body's hardwired. I want to talk about Thor one so bad right now. I yeah. can taste it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. Finding not not just finding people to co host about comic books with, finding people to talk about current comic books with is a job all on its own. Absolutely. So. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. So you're putting the word out there. Leftover um, Army, I need your help. You're my only hope. All right. Yeah. So yeah, so basically uh, Dave uh, domesticated Dave is asking members of the Leftover Army, do have you thought about wanting to be on a podcast? Do you like comic books? We're we're looking for people that are knowledgeable about comic books, not just DC, not just Marvel, like comic books all across the board, correct? Absolutely. Um you know, and and Dave wants to talk to you. He wants to reach out to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to get to know you. So this is like an audition. You can be on a podcast if you if if you if you've always wanted. I know there's people that want to be on podcasts. They just don't know who to pod with. Yeah, Dave is oh, saying. Yeah, totally. yeah, Dave is extending his hand. Just his hand, nothing else. No other parts of his body are being extended. He's extending his hand and he's saying, listen, I want you to join me on my podcast. I want you to reach out to me. If you've dreamt about this, if this is your dream and you think that you have a voice, that voice that wants to be heard by the masses, then contact Dave. How can they contact you, Dave, to be a part of the Soda Pops Comics Pod? Uh, domesticateddave at gmail.com. That's Two D's in the middle of there. Domesticated Dave at so, gmail.com. Domesticated Dave at gmail.com. Reach out to Dave. He will then, I mean, you're going to have like free time after this week. And yeah. then, yeah, maybe this week is just a good time for people to submit their information. Yeah. And then after that, Dave will contact you, maybe have like a phone interview. And don't get all butthurt if he doesn't have you on the show. Don't, no, don't be like that. It's not like he doesn't like you, but he just wants to get a feel and he wants to get a good fit for the show, right? Yeah. And, and don't be nervous. Like when Brian originally said to me, Hey, man, you ever think about doing a podcast? I was, 
I was really kind of mortified at the idea because I my voice sounds like sandpaper mixed with Jack Daniels. I you know I, all I all I, <laughs> all, all I could think of what to do. I, I I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. And Brian's just like, hey, man. It's more fun for me and it's more fun for you if you just do what you do. And so that's what I've been doing. And, you know, we're seven episodes in. We don't claim to be perfect. Fuck, we don't even have bumpers yet. But we're learning. We're doing better. And I, I own it. I, 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 I make it my baby. So. That's good advice that you got, Dave. Don't be nervous. Um, if you're passionate about comics and you're buying new comics every week and reading them, don't be nervous. I mean, get a hold of Dave and talk to him. You know, this is all of our first times doing any kind of thing like this. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, yeah especially I mean, that's oh. how I started. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, Jared, like your your podcast is in, in its infancy right now, and like, how has it changed from like episode one to like you're on episode nine now? You said. Yeah. Yep. How has it changed? Um, you know what I mean? I mean, are you more comfortable doing it? Oh, absolutely. I think. The first time we did it, it was well. It was it was horrible circumstances to begin with. I thought you were had, gonna. I like, thought you were gonna stop that sentence with "it was horrible." <laughs> End of sentence. <laughs> because like 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 the first episode came out, and you're like, Brian, I'm doing a podcast, and um, I don't want you to listen to the first episode. <laughs> That's how it's changed. It's not total shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I was talking about Soda Pop Comics. Soda Pop Comics was horrible. My show, Joe Schmo. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no dude, but, seriously, yeah, dude, I, I love have, your show. Oh, and I love your show too. I love the indie music aspect of it because I'm super into indie music, and that's one of the big, uh, big things that I like about your show. But um, we're just stroking. What a fucking love fest! I know we're just stroking each other's dicks at this point. Jesus Christ, hold my hand, will you? I know. Come on, people, now, smile, brother, everybody, get together, try to love one another. This is just one big dick sucking contest. Yeah, Jesus Christ, I love you, Joe Schmo. I love you, Soda Pop Comic Cast. We love you. Two pop extra leftovers. <laughs> We're like your deranged stepchildren of podcasts because we both kind of came out of the pop culture podcast. Oh Christ! <laughs> I'm flushing that down the toilet. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! That's like that's like when that was you, the worst joke I've ever made. No, baby. it's like when you don't want to be pregnant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like you, you see that there is a plus symbol and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just gave birth to this fucking thing. Are you serious? Oh, no. All right. That was horrible. <laughs> wow. Okay. I also want to formally apologize for misspeaking Jake's name. Jake's Jake's had a rough year. He doesn't need that kind of bullshit. And Jake, I'm really sorry. I've said Brian and Jay together so many times in my life. It's just sort of hardwired. It so. is tough. My my manager's name is Jay, and it's a fucking nightmare. Like mm. we, no one knows who's calling who on the goddamn intercoms and walkies. Right. So yeah, it's okay. I All forgive right. you. Thank you. You can call me Jay three more times before I punch you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So yeah, uh, the uh, gauntlet has been uh, thrown down. You need you need people. Yeah, give us a listen. We're on iTunes and all that good stuff. And you're Soda not just Pop talking about cast. Yeah, you're not just talking about guys. You want some females too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we desperately need Team Double X coming in. Like there, there's way too much Y chromosome going on. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's see here. 
Anything else to say about that? No, no. I think I've stolen enough of your uh, amazing leftover armies. Uh, listener time they they gotta you know you guys will be here all night recording this episode i don't want to take up any more time than i am we'll be here in the wee hours of the morning apparently all right (laughs) uh jacob Harmon. uh you want to talk a little bit about power rangers correct absolutely all right uh throw it down man what do you got go go all right before i get into it uh what do you guys have for experience with the rangers i mean did you watch it growing up or whatnot um, you know, I, I gotta be brutally honest. I'm not a big fan. It's just, right. it's just not my thing. It was, it was that crap that was on before the Spider-Man cartoon came on to me. Gotcha. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just never been my thing. I, I don't hold any ill will towards its fans or its fandom, but it's, it's not my cup of tea. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. See, when the Power Rangers came out, I was probably 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I was 15, um, the show just didn't appeal to me because I was older. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And that's that's the only thing. Like if the show would have came out and I would have been like 8, 9, 10, I would have been all up on that shit. I, that's great, Brian. I feel like that's a little bit of my deal. I was, I was, we're the same age, right. basically. I was too old for this stuff. Yeah. It, it felt like a cheap Voltron knockoff to my cynical, like 15, 16 year old yeah. Jake, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I can understand, like, I, I totally got it. Like, it, I totally got, like, why kids were into this because it was cool. I mean, it was like there was a lot of action and, uh, it was like a Voltron that kids could get into a live action yeah. Voltron that kids could get into. I never had anything against Power Rangers. Um, the episodes that I did watch, I really, really started to enjoy more of the episodes that I watched when, uh, Jason, uh, Jason David Frank okay. got involved. Oh yeah. He, the Green Ranger. Yeah. I could totally tell that this guy oh, was yeah. kind of like the, uh, you know, like kind of like he was like the punisher to that universe. You know, I mean, you know, he started off as a bad guy and then became a good guy. So he had an edge to him on a kid show and i was like this guy's pretty badass like if i was a kid fucking a i would be all up in this shit because this this guy once they introduced him he wasn't just like you know your pink ranger or whatever the fuck this guy was kind of a badass he had a little bit of an edge to him and i was like yeah i can understand why kids are getting into the show but i was a little past that age where i could really like get into the like the lore and the mythos of the power rangers i agree and it seemed really procedural to me too Mm -hmm. like every week it was just like okay they're gonna fight like the big bad but every week it just like they had to like make like the Zord bigger and badder. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I agree. Oh, super formulaic. So formulaic. Yeah. And it was just like <laughs> like I get it and I can understand why kids like it. But I think I was just a little too old for it. Yeah. It just came out at the wrong time in my life. I used to babysit. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I used to babysit a lot for money between the ages of 15 and 18, and there wasn't yeah. a babysitting job I had with any 8- to 10-year-old boy that didn't involve watching Power Ranger tapes. So, right. Yeah. What about you, domesticated Dave? Power Rangers, talk to me, Chief. Well, I'm, I'm also an old man, so I – uh, when I saw it, it looked like a United Colors of Benetton commercial. I was like, I've never <laughs> seen a group of kids that actually, you know, hang out that are of this makeup of gender and ethnicity. And I, I liked that they were showing that positive image on TV, but there was a bit of a disconnect. I love kung fu movies. So I was like, the concept of a bunch of kids watching a bunch of repurposed kung fu movies that were translated to an American audience via these characters that 
Uh, now, got to be the worst secret identities I've ever seen because these five kids who are actually these ma- masked figures always wear the same colors that they're wearing in their power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So I, I'm not and we sure. saw that on Captain Planet. So. Yeah, I'm not sure how effective <laughs> yeah. the secret identity aspect of it was, but uh, yeah, it was it was serviceable, and I don't want to say anything bad for fear Jake will just freak Jacob Harmon will freak out and Listen to, lose listen. connection. Listen to no Dave. Worries. He's like the John Rocker of podcasters here. <laughs> These five minorities, what are they doing hanging out on the TV show? <laughs> Jeez, Dave. Confusing. I'm like, I've never seen this. Ever. Hey, haven't you ever seen Star Trek? They do the same thing a little bit. Uh, a little bit, but mm-hmm. there's also aliens involved. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, find common ground, and I'm like, I, I, I just, I've never seen this on, on TV before. How dare, I, how dare this white guy hang out with this African American and this Asian? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, this is the most unbelievable show I've ever seen. And I'm turning it off. You're, you're right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> how, how could you see through me, Jake? I'm sorry. All right. All right. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry, Rocker. Let's, let's talk to. Wow! <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. I know. I know, I know you're guys. Not a guys. Guys. We're going to talk about Mel Gibson later, so let's save this. Oh, I, I just want to clarify. <laughs> I just want to clarify that I know Dave is not a racist, and I'm just poking. I'm just poking fun at him. Uh, this this episode's off the rails. And Dave just lost all of his audience on Soda Pop Comics Cast. All my my people who were like, oh, yeah, I was going to talk to this guy, but I don't want to host a show with no races. I don't want to host with John Rocker over here. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) This is what... All right, Jared Gafford. Jared Gafford, um, growing up, did you watch Power Rangers? Um, Power Rangers was Follow like a that dirty up. little secret for me. Like I grew up in a like strict Christian household, and so like my parents didn't watch let me watch Power Rangers. They didn't let me watch Pokemon. They didn't let me watch any of this stuff. Um, so it was one of those things. Like whenever I had a babysitter, or if my dad was working in another room or something like that, I would pop it on. And then as I got older, they kind of started letting me watch it. And I actually, my grandma, who just like let me watch whatever i wanted to she actually made me a green lantern or a green uh ranger uh halloween costume when i was like six or seven years old so that that was pretty awesome but i mean it's one of those things that like i don't remember much of it because it was almost 20 years ago but um yeah it was good stuff definitely that's really cool uh the rangers they have such a unique history, and when you talk to people who were kids during the early 90s, whether or not they liked the Rangers, they all knew who the Rangers were. And I think that's yeah. what's kind of unique about it. I mean, I when it came out, I was, I think I'm the youngster of the group. I was three when it came out, which was in 93. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, making me feel like an old man and shit, dude. Right? But, uh, so I was perfect age group for it hooked me from day one. I was always into karate, and that show actually got me taking martial arts classes, which I've done since I was, like, seven. Well, I think that's interesting because Jason David Frank is, like, a big-time martial artist and uh, started his own dojo and shit. Oh, yes. Yeah, so did mm-hmm. uh, the second Red Ranger, Rocky. He's got his own dojo. Yeah. Well, but- tell us tell us a little bit about the Rangers and what, uh, what you know, how why you fell in love with them. Um, different iterations of the Rangers and what 
what can we expect from the Rangers in the future? I mean, I know we have a movie coming out. Just, uh, you know, give us a glimpse of the Rangers, what you love about the Rangers, and just enlighten us. Some of us older folks that, like, didn't get to take part in that whole uh, Power Ranger mania because it was a huge deal at the time. And, like, those original toys are going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not thousands now. I remember oh, that Christmas. They were, like, the hottest toy fucking ever that one Christmas. Yeah, it was like the Tickle Me Elmo that yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the current toys, those are still consistently one of the best-selling toy lines out there. And it's actually opened up this huge market for people importing the Japanese versions because they're way better made over there than they are here. And, yeah, it's a, it's a huge moneymaker of a show just from that aspect of it. Yeah, so the toys have always been a big seller, and... Last year, they introduced what they call the Legacy line, which is a line of the old-school toys reissued with die-cast parts and better paint, strictly for adult collectors. And they've done the original Morpher, the original Megazord, uh, Tommy's Morpher, which was the same one, just gold, uh, Tommy's Zord, uh, his Dragon Dagger, a couple other stuff. That's great because, I mean, seriously, yeah, like the people cool. that grew up on this like 20 years ago are now clearly adults as yourself, you know. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. That it's, it's a good timing for this. Absolutely. And they've been consistently sold out. They're Toys R Us exclusives, and it's hard to find some of that stuff. Yeah, that kind of shit yes. makes it so hard on the collector. I hate that when it's like, oh, this is a Macy's exclusive. Oh, this is a Toys R Us exclusive. Oh, this is yeah. a Walgreens exclusive. It's like, fuck, how much yeah. do I have to drive to complete my collection? Well, and the thing is, like, once, right. they, once they show up on eBay, you're spending even more money to try to get those things than you would have gotten them if you would have, like, driven to those stores. Yeah. But part of the fun in yeah. that is, like, the hunt, right? Am I right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Think about it this way. Let's say like uh, like Jacob Harmon. Let's say like, you know, you had a kid of your own and your kid's like four or five years old now and you've passed on the tradition to your son. You and your son can go out on the hunt for these figures at Macy's or wherever and try to pick them up together. I mean, that's a bonding experience. And I think that's what's happening with this like second generation of Power Rangers uh, viewers and things like that, that the, the father and son are now or the father and the daughter or the mother and the daughter are now getting into this too, the collecting. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit different is the Transformers franchise, but my uh, my buddy, he grew up on the original cartoon and his son is huge into collecting the new figures. So they're always going out and hunting for the, the latest Transformer guys. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Darman, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Um, do you still watch like the current versions of the Power Rangers that are on TV right now, or have you kind of like died off of it? I died off for a long time. The season that's on right now is called Super Mega Force, and that one I've been watching because I watched the Japanese version of it. Uh, we can talk about that in a bit once I give my little history. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, jump into it. Just start uh, start start off with the history and whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, uh, Rangers as a whole are split into three main eras. There was the original Saban era. They sold the show to Disney. Disney ran it for a while. And then in 2010, Saban bought it back. And is that a good thing in your opinion? (sighs) Disney was doing it a little bit better 
in the way that they produce the show. Uh, but Saban just has a... They have that more loyalty to their name. I mean, Disney mm. is a huge name. Not near. I mean, it's way bigger than Saban's name is. But Saban really started the franchise. Yeah. That's interesting to me that yeah. Disney bought it and then eventually released it back to Saban. Did Disney consider the franchise a failure? Yeah, it's actually happened twice. That's why Disney got it in the first place. Uh, Saban was going to cancel the show and Disney bought it. And when Disney was going to cancel, Saban bought it back. Gotcha. Do you think Disney just didn't huh. do what they could have done with the with the franchise? Definitely. Uh, when the original run was about to be canceled, the last season they were going to do was called In Space. And In Space was a very serious season for the time. It was way darker than the other seasons had been. And it was a huge hit. So that's why they renewed it and kept going. Uh, huh. Then when Time Force came around, which was 2001, uh, Saban was ready to cancel it again. Disney bought it. Disney ran it for years. And then in 2009, they were going to cancel it. They did RPM as the last season. And same thing within space. It was much darker. It was almost like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic season. And sent the sales right back up again. I don't know. It seems like it seems. Yeah, it seems like uh, I, I. It still f- seems like Power Rangers don't have a home. Yeah, I in my opinion, that. it seems like they are just being like, uh, like uh, they're being kicked around from foster parent to foster parent. They just need to find a good home that knows the direction that the franchise needs to go in. They really do. Yeah, what network and is it on? Right now, it's on Nickelodeon, and. Okay. I think if Nickelodeon really wanted to, they could do the series better than it's been. And if they went with the Disney formula but aired it on Nickelodeon, I think we'd be golden. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like nobody really knows. what they, they know that they have something. It's just they don't know where to go with it. Nickelodeon definitely seems like a great platform for it. I mean, it seems like Ninja Turtles is thriving on Nickelodeon right now. Yeah, going into oh, yeah. Did they finish season three? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't been watching the current season, but I just know that the ratings are very strong for Nickelodeon, right? And you look at the cast on that new Ninja Turtles show. I mean, Seth Green and Sean Austin are two of the turtles. Yeah, and Jason Biggs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they let Jason go. Seth Green took his place. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he was. Hmm. Uh, if you listen to the interviews when that show first came out, he was very disinterested in it. And Seth Green has just been balls to the wall, really into it. Well, I mean, you know, Jason Biggs is doing Orange is New, Orange is the New Black, so he's got that going on too. Absolutely, so, yeah. He probably didn't take the material seriously either. Obviously, he wasn't a fan. No, I don't think he was nearly the fan that Seth Green is. So, out of like all like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which like uh, generation is like your your favorite? Oh, man, I'd probably have to say the best season would be in space, and that crew there was phenomenal. Uh, the first real arc of Rangers started with Mighty Morphin. That ran for three seasons, and that first season was 60 episodes. It was a huge season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they, and kind, then, they kind of ran it like they ran an animated show, because animated shows back in the same era also had these giant 60-episode seasons. 
Absolutely. And it, it kind of loans itself to being aired like that. Yeah, with its you know normal Monday to Friday time slot, five times a week right. and whatnot. And that's not the case now, which I think is a little bit better. Uh, now they're doing 20-episode seasons, which is a bit more manageable. Oh, totally. And do they just run that weekly? Uh, yeah, it's uh, each season is split up into two sections. So you'll get 10 episodes, they have a few months break, and then they do another 10. Okay. And that, none of the fandom is really a fan of, but that's how Nickelodeon's choosing to do it. Hmm. What I really remember from, like, the first season, and maybe the second season of the Power Rangers, is the fact that they used, like, all the, um, the, the Rangers were American actors, but they still used, like, uh, the foreign actors, the Japanese actors, as the villain, and oh, they just definitely. did. They just did voiceovers uh, for like like an American actress did like the villain for that that first season. So like they already had like these episodes planned out, but they used a lot of the effects from over in Japan already. So it was like a really cheap show to produce, and it got huge ratings. So I mean, that worked in their benefit for like the first you know one or two seasons here in America. Oh yeah, for the uh, for the army that doesn't know, the way that they make the show is. This series has been going on in Japan since the early 70s. And they've done, you know, one season a year since then. It's actually the same company that did the the 70s, like, Spider-Man, where he was kind of a Power Ranger and had the giant robot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been going on for 38 years, I think, now. Oh, wow. And it's still going strong over there? Oh, definitely. That's interesting. That's definitely That's a awesome. new fact for me that it's I been around not, since the 70s. I did not know that either. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, and it's it's the same formula. It took them a few years in different incarnations to get in the groove, but once they hit that groove where each season over there, each season is about 40 episodes and they usually do one theatrical movie and they do a crossover with another series called Common Rider, which is made by the same company. It's essentially Power Rangers, but they have, like, armor instead of spandex suits. Right. Gotcha. Um, one thing I'll tell you is the first theatrical movie the Power Rangers had, um, I definitely made it a point to uh, purchase the soundtrack for it. I believe it had um, uh, exclusive They Might Be Giant song on there, Since Around, that I was a huge fan of. I'm sure there was a couple other really good songs on there, too. Oh, yeah. That, that first movie had a killer soundtrack. Yeah, that, I remember and the that. the music for the Rangers in general... I mean, you listen to that theme song from Mighty Morphin. That's that's a that's a metal theme song. You don't get that in kid shows. Yeah, oh, Transformers yeah. the animated movie. Oh yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah, Stan Bush. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can think about. But yeah. So but yes. uh, no, yeah, uh, you know, uh, school us and some other Power Rangers uh, trivia and knowledge and things like that, dude. Because like y- you know way more than either one of us when it comes to this. It's it's interesting the history of the show. You look at the original arc ends with Power Rangers in space. The Red Ranger has to kill Zordon, the original mentor. Uh, when that ended, they started doing the formula that works now, where they do the one season with one cast, and that's just a simple, clean formula that makes it a lot easier to sell toys. Which at the end of the day, it's a giant toy commercial. Yeah, that's true. So do you co- do you collect the toys too, Jacob? 
I've collected some of the legacy items. I'm actually getting ready to sell off a lot of my stuff. It just it takes up so much room. Uh, yeah. I mean, those Megazords, most of them are, you know, between 10 and 12 inches high. That's a lot of space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you know about the new movie coming out? Is Bob Orsi still on this project? And, and this is happening, correct? Roberto Orsi is no longer on the project, ah. which is kind of a shame. Uh, there, When he announced that he was going to be part of it, it was a huge deal. And when this movie was announced, I think it was back in May, it came out of nowhere. Uh, Saban, they have a special group of fans called the Power Force, and they're regular fans like we would be who have dedicated their social media time to the Rangers, and then Saban gives them early access information, and they have to release press release stuff. And they released it, and it was insane. No one saw this coming, especially not a partnership with Lionsgate. And it's just been nothing but good news from the get-go. So was it the fact that Roberto Orsi was involved? Like he's got uh, – he's he's so in bed with the Star Trek um, franchise. Is that why he had to drop out? I think that's why he had to drop out. That's what he had said. And – there's some speculation, as with anything of this nature, that he didn't really want to do it. But he had a concrete idea already written up for this, and the writers said that they were going to stick to his original vision. So I do think it was just he needed to dedicate more time to the Star Trek franchise. Okay, so they they, they are going to go with uh, some of the things that he has written up. So, I mean, he may even get executive producer credit for all we know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in the least. Okay. Probably around May, they probably didn't know for sure that he was going to be taking the helm on that Star Trek three. Well, and it hasn't even been officially announced that he is director yet. Yeah. So, but I think with him dropping out, I think it's a safe bet that they haven't found anybody else to do Star Trek three, and then he is going to be the director. Hmm. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. You... We still have the original writers that were listed with him, which was Ashley and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they had worked on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, they had worked on X Men First Class. That's promising because both of those have huge followings, and uh, I mean they're both really good. So that's 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 pretty good. There's definitely the sense that Saban is ready to do a serious movie. I mean, they're working with Lionsgate, who's put out some of the biggest movies in the past couple years. Oh sure. Oh yeah. I mean, they've gotten some great writers on there. Even without Orsi, they're probably going to get another bigger name director or just someone whose name we know anyway. What would you like to see from a new Power Rangers movie? What would you like to see? Would you like to see them do something a little darker in tone or do you want to see something that'll just, uh, I don't know, something that like uh, brings in the new with the old? I mean, a little bit of mix of both. I would like to see a PG-13 where it's dark enough for the adults to get that that good action sense, but that the younger fans could still go in and enjoy the movie. Because that's what it needs to do. It needs to unite the older fans and the younger fans in a great action movie. Do you want to see when they are um, fighting and you know how when they hit each other, it's like the sparks fly in a PG 13 movie. Would you want to see like the actual violence with that? Or do you want them to stay um, with like the original way they have the sparks fly and everything? 
I think the Sparks line would be kind of cool. Uh, the last Disney season was called RPM, and there was a lot of jokes and references in that season to some of the corniness of the Rangers. Okay. Like, they say how there's always explosions behind them when they do their pose. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was a professor on there who explained that that's just a energy discharge from the morphing grid. <laughs> I really... Yeah, I, it that's was, funny. It was really hokey, but it was awesome. Yeah. I like meta jokes like that. That's good stuff to poke fun at your own cheesiness. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind seeing some of the sparks. I mean, I, I don't want to see any kind of, like, blood or gore from it. Um, okay. Those suits, if they get, you know stained on them or that there's like scorch marks that's totally cool they've done that and they've actually had rangers in the show get bloodied where they'll lose their helmet or something of that nature Mm -hmm. but nothing too intense see yeah so oh go ahead jared what would give it the pg-13 rating then is it just like the the thematic content of it or what would it what would it be great question i i would like to see that darker tone of a pg 13 movie that you don't necessarily see with something that's G or PG rated. Okay. Um, definitely high on the action level. There's gotta be some great fighting scenes and I want that last part of the movie, the last 20 minutes, I want them to summon the Megazord and just have a giant robot fight for the last part. Well, why can't this... That'd be sweet. It's not like they can't do like the whole, uh, Michael Bay Transformers thing where they are still trying to sell toys but yet still make a successful PG-13 movie. I mean, you yeah. can do that. You know what I mean? It, it, you don't have to go... Of course, we're not asking for full-blown R-rated Power Rangers movie. Yeah. But I think... <laughs> You know what I mean? I think I, I I think you can you can have a movie that says, "Hey, yeah, we're trying to sell some fucking toys. We're trying to sell some merch here." But I, the- I, I I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, I see what both you and and um, Jacob are saying. It, sometimes the PG-13 is just because the action is so intense. It's yes. just yeah. for an eight year old seeing that many explosions and and ruckus going on is right. just too much for him. Yeah. It's not necessarily that, that it's sense. adult content. But exactly, like what eight year old like you know for me and you when. We we go to see a Transformers movie. We know what we're going to get, but like an eight-year-old watching that and watching these explosions, they love it. Oh yeah, they yeah, love absolutely. it. Absolutely, it's all eye candy, and they should be able to do that in a Power Rangers movie. It's the same sort of like uh, action, in my opinion. It's it's just as it goes, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you have like that huge orgasm at the end, like you're saying, where they do the Megazord. I mean, you can totally do that in a fucking Power Rangers movie. Yeah. I got a question yeah. for Jacob. Um, what would you say if uh, Michael Bay announced that he was taking on the Power Rangers? Would you be excited about that? <laughs> Honestly, I know that if his name was attached to it, that would put butts in seats. And that's hugely important with this franchise. Yeah. I think Michael Bay and would fit I'd, well. I'd, I'd have faith in it. I mean, the storytelling from the Transformers movies, yeah, that's definitely not the best. But that first Transformers was a solid movie, in my opinion. Yeah, Michael Bay can I mean, do the over-the-top action, and that that's what Power Rangers needs. I, I would be excited about it, too. I think it's a better fit Michael Bay with Power Rangers than Michael Bay with Transformers at this point. I, I think, think so, too. I think it's a good yeah, fit. I, agree. I really do. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jacob, uh, any last uh, Power Rangers thoughts that you want to leave our listeners? 
with this new movie, there's been talk about whether or not it's going to be canon or not, and everything I've seen has said that it's not going to be, which I really hope it's not, but they've also talked about past actors having cameo appearances, and you're talking about Jason David Frank earlier? Yes. If you follow him on, like, Twitter or Facebook, which I did for quite some time, he has turned into a huge egocentric maniac, and it's really sad yeah. to see. Um, there, he has he actually posted some videos of him in the passenger seat of the car filming his wife getting a speeding ticket. Uh, he did another one where he was in a rental car, and you just hear him slam on the gas and just doing some reckless stuff. And he is supposed to be a role model for kids. Yeah, and he's been at conventions where he's actually made children cry, and wow. he's done some other stuff that's just not really great. <clears throat> so he's I'm just hoping kind of a tool. That's exactly what he is. Uh, I've heard other people in the fandom describe him as being the coolest 13-year-old that you're ever going to know. <laughs> wow. So if, if Justin Bieber was a fucking Power Ranger, you'd have Jason David Frank. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah. But uh, if they do make some cameo appearances, not as rangers, just someone in the background and, you know, a brick's about to fall down on them and they jump out of the way, that would be totally cool. But we don't need to see Jason come back just okay. like Austin St. John. So you're back. saying use him yeah. in like a Stan Lee cameo appearance kind of thing? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, just uh, bring, let's get some new faces in there. Let's market to a whole new generation. Let's bring in some of the some of the old with the new. Give like you know some of the uh, fans like a nod. Maybe maybe give him like a quick Jason David Frank cameo, but just not give him all the attention that you don't think he's worthy of these days. Right, yeah. and Power Rangers is a huge franchise. Um, they have their own convention every other year that's put on by the Make a Wish Foundation. And I was able to attend this year's, and there was well over a hundred guests there who were writers, who were actors, who were stunt people. Um, they actually had some of the guys from Japan come in this year. And we are such a faithful fandom, and the actors, most of them, would do a cameo for absolutely free. They just want to they wanna show their appreciation to the fans. That's awesome. That's cool. If they cast um, f already famous people as Power Rangers in a new Power Ranger movies, can you think of any names? Uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, definitely. No, there you I go. I could see her as oh, a nice. Pink Ranger all day long. That'd be cool. Okay, so I and could see uh, I could see kind of uh, the actor Brent Dalton who played Grant Ward. I could see him being like an older an older character who has to be like the mysterious Six Ranger. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>
right, guys. Hey, we're back. Uh, there was a lot of good movies uh, that came out this past summer, in my opinion. Yeah. Are you right? Yeah. yeah it was am a good, I right? It was a good summer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. We had Days of Future Past. Uh, we had Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Captain America 2. But there was one movie, in my opinion, that came out that I really enjoyed that didn't get the attention that those other movies did. Uh, that movie was Chef. Oh, and uh, it was directed mm. by John Favreau, uh, written by John Favreau. Uh, did anybody else besides myself watch Chef? Mm, I did not, unfortunately. I did not I see had, it either. I actually just bought it, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you need to watch it, Jared. It's, oh, it's out now. I can I can yes, rent it. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I reviewed it on a past episode. I gave it to Tupperware. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, it came out on DVD, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. uh, September 30th, and it was about a chef yep. who loses his restaurant Whoa. job. And starts up a food truck in effort to. I'm kind of in the middle of recording a show right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to your cat while we're podcasting. All right, love me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob. Hello. What's up, dude? How's it going, man? It's good. <laughs> uh, who was calling you, Chief? Oh, I turned my. I thought I turned the mic off. <laughs> Dude, that was my mom. <laughs> I did. I turned the the instrument thing down on my my audio mixer here, so I thought yeah. it was off. Oh my god, that's that's fucking hilarious. That was hilarious. We, we, all, we all just stopped in unison. <laughs> I was like, is this really happening? Oh my god, that was awesome. Yeah. He's kind of in the middle of something right now. Uh, <laughs> oh dude. So no, tell oh, us about that's... your tell us about your mom. Is she like a really is she like really sweet is she like a really sweet lady? Is she awesome? Dude, my mom's a total badass. Oh uh, awesome. She's uh she actually had some medical issues over the past like ten years or so. Yeah. So she's got, like, a metal hip, a metal shoulder, and, like, part of her leg. She doesn't have any tendon in it. She's, like, going to be death law pretty soon. She's like Robo-Mom. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. just waiting for her to get the thing where it pops out of her hip and she's got her gun there. Oh, like RoboCop. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Awesome. No, but, no, you're fine, dude. Don't sweat it, man. That was actually pretty hilarious. <laughs> but um, I was talking about the movie Chef. It came out uh, September 30th. It was about a chef. He loses his uh, restaurant job and starts up a food truck in an effort to reclaim his creative promise uh, while piecing back together his estranged family. Um, in a new interview, uh, John Favreau confirmed he's looking at potentially opening a chef movie restaurant with Roy Choi, who was the celebrity chef who created all the food that they used in the film. Uh, he was talking to Yahoo Movies, and both Favreau and Choi talked about how they'd like to start up this restaurant that will likely be in Los Angeles. Uh, Favreau told Yahoo, he said, I love sharing the food with people so that they could see that food really is as good as it looks. It's not the wisest business venture, but for me, it's a way to let the movie live on and connect with the fans. Uh, the uh, chef Choi, he added, we want to turn this into a real restaurant. When people got, uh, when people got out of the screenings of the movie, they wanted that re- that thing to be real. Um, I agree. I mean, I saw the movie. I saw the food that they were making. Uh, it was unique food. It was stuff that, like, 
you don't see uh, people like in a food truck making this kind of food, you know? Uh, it was like really out of the box type stuff. And I think it'd be great for like people to get that chef experience like in Los Angeles and take advantage of the foods that they were making in that movie. It was really cool. I, I'd love to see this happen. I'd, lo- I'd love to see this come to fruition. Yeah, that would be neat. I, I definitely need to see that movie in the next couple of weeks here. Is it? Is it pretty yeah. funny? It's 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 funny, but you've got to look at it the way that I looked at it when I saw it. The way I saw it was the fact that like he brought back, he brought in Scarlett Johansson, he got Robert da- Robert Downey Jr., two of the actors that were involved in Iron Man two, a yeah. movie that he wanted to make his own, his follow up movie to Iron Man, which was a huge success, and he wanted to make it his movie, and it seemed like Marvel Studios wanted to make another movie. Mm-hmm. So this movie mm-hmm. has a lot to do with that. The fact that you've got a chef who's like wanting to make his menu, but his boss, who's played by Dustin Hoffman, is saying, No, you're gonna make the hits. You're gonna make these these recipes on the menu stuff that's outdated stuff that people just aren't into anymore you know nothing creative nothing new and so like he said okay he 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 basically said okay i'm gonna make your menu and it bombed he got the the critic just fucking shit all over that menu and so he said i'm gonna go out on my own i'm gonna do my own thing he started up this food truck and it was a huge success i'm not spoiling the movie the movie there's so much more to it but it's basically basically telling mark like I don't need you to make a good movie, I, and, and he mm-hmm. did that with Chef. He succeeded in that, and so just the fact like that this movie could spawn a restaurant, just like Marvel has spawned like this whole fucking like the the Marvel uh, universe live where they go on tour and stuff like that. They're not the only ones that can do it. John Favreau could yeah. do it with a small independent movie like Chef. That's, he can do the same fucking thing Marvel Studios has done. That's interesting. That's is so that metaphor is definitely meant. It's not. It's. Definitely, it okay. is. You can see it. It's 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 written in the movie. You can totally see it. Hmm. That's interesting. That's I'll definitely cool. have to keep that in mind when I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that. So I, th- I think we lost somebody. Who do we leave? Lose. I'm Jacob. still here. I think we lost Jacob. Gotcha. He probably had to go deal with mom issues. Hashtag mom issues. All right. Next story I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, we lost Jacob Harmon there. Yeah, he hashtag, might be, hashtag mom issues. Exactly. So he might be call, <laughs> he might be calling back. So that might be interesting. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit about Oculus Rift. Uh, you guys are familiar with Oculus Rift, correct? Yeah, it's like that yep. virtual reality. Re- yeah, yeah, type of thing. It's a virtual reality like headset that you wear. And you can play games or walk around in a virtual world. Yeah, right. You're familiar with that too, Jared? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oculus Rift has been a really cool way to promote movies over the last couple of years. At San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they've done this. Uh, we saw it done with uh, the uh, Pacific Rim and the X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, we talked about that on our San Diego Comic-Con episode. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should not only do it for all the San Diego Comic-Con news that we talked about, but also because Frank gets really drunk off his ass and, and the show goes off the rails. So <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I can't think of a show that's ever gone more off the rails than that episode. Wow. Jared, did you listen Hashtag to that episode? Wig Emporium. Yeah. <laughs> did you listen to that episode, dude? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what'd you think, man? That, was, that shit was oh, crazy. Dude. It was just like watching a train wreck. <laughs> you can't look away. You can't. I just – I was literally – I found myself – I was at work while I was listening to that, and I found myself laughing out loud 
probably half a dozen times and my boss and my coworkers kept looking at me like what is this guy doing <laughs> <laughs> me me and brian were just giving each other the looks the whole time i like, know oh my god what's going on <laughs> i know it was a totally different experience in the studio i can tell you that much uh, <laughs> certain theaters now are getting their own oculus rift experience so that they can promote the new christopher nolan movie interstellar have you guys heard about this yeah no, no i haven't heard about the promotion no uh it's only coming to four theaters in the country and only on certain days here are the theaters that uh that'll be doing this in the days that they'll be there uh new york amc lincoln square 13 october 6th through 8th houston amc gulf point 30 october 17th through 19th los angeles amc universal city walk 19 october 25th through 27th and washington dc smithsonian november 5th through december 6th so Looks like there's going to be an extended run of the Interstellar Oculus Rift experience at the Smithsonian. But here is a detailed description of the experience. For the first time ever, the virtual world of filmmakers, Christopher Nolan's highly anticipated new film will be available to the public in select AMC theaters locations uh, featuring IMAX screens. People can sit down, strap in, and immerse themselves as they travel through the Endurance spacecraft in zero gravity through a custom interstellar Oculus Rift experience. So I think that's really cool. That is really cool. Do you think? Yeah, that sounds awesome. What is going on? What is that? Wow, did someone turn their vacuum cleaner on? Sounds like a washer and dryer. That's me. It's Jacob Harmon. (laughs) (laughs) Did your mom make you do a load of laundry? (laughs) (laughs) I had to go move the car for her. (laughs) <laughs> it's all good i'm back wow what was that what was that what was that noise though? what was that noise <laughs> i still hear it no like, idea subtly right i don't hear it anymore i think it's just it was so loud i'm still hearing it ringing in my ears wow yeah we were just <laughs> we were just talking about stuff dude it's all good just doing just doing a show <laughs> <laughs> We t- I sent Jake a message on Facebook. Oh, okay, I, I, I got to step away for a sec. I told him. All right, guys. So yeah, um, the uh, Christopher Nolan uh, inter- <laughs> Oculus Rift. <laughs> Oculus Rift. Do you think? Oh my god! Do you, show. Do you the think fuck? they make you pay to do the Oculus Rift shit? No, I think it'll be like you walk into the. They're like, please do this shit. Come on. I, I think we just went through the Jacob Harmon Oculus Rift experience <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, I guess we didn't have to pay. I, I felt like I just parked the car with him and his mom. It was fucking insane. <laughs> it for what it's worth, my mom apologized. For <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. It's like that scene in Galaxy Quest where the kid's, you know, on the phone with Tim Allen, the communicator. His mom's like, you got to take the trash out. <laughs> oh my god um jake i i don't know okay like i know when you go there's a theater here in savoy illinois where you can go into and you can sit down and you can do the d-box experience i don't what yep. is that d-box uh d-box is basically like um you sit down in a chair and it's got transducers in it and kind of like hydraulics in it okay so we're like 
Um, like you say, you're watching a movie like Top Gun or like 2012, the the John Cusack movie. Yeah. Um, where like let's say you're like in a plane or a helicopter, or like, like let's even say like Jurassic Park, where like you know the Tyrannosaurus Rex is stomping. You feel like the bass through the transducers okay. underneath the seat, and then like in Top Gun, if you're about to take off and fly, the seat actually tilts back. So you feel like you're part of the experience. Is that cool though? No, it's totally, it totally takes you out of the movie. Like I watched, like I, I did watch, uh, um, scenes from like the Hobbit in it and it's really fucking distracting. (laughs) It's really fucking distracting. It's, it's not fun. It doesn't add to the movie experience in my opinion. It was fun when I went to Universal Studios and I watched like the Shrek thing happen. Yeah. Like they had a Shrek 40 experience and that was cool as shit. But like when I'm, but what is going on with Skype? I don't That's know. weird. Can I just say that D box is a terrible name? Yeah, it's I, a horrible name. I can't help but think of it's a dick in a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've uh, we've got those at our local theater. Yeah. And the only time I actually used one is when they first put them in. They gave like everyone a free pass to try it out. Yeah. And it, it's not worth the extra ticket price for me. How, no. much, how much more is the D box upcharge? I think it's here like it's like twenty-two dollars. Twenty-five bucks? It's twenty-two dollars where we're at for the upcharge. Yeah. No, that's the total cost. Oh my god, that's yeah. still expensive. It's expensive. I wish that we had a Cinnabar, though. Have you heard of Cinnabar? No. Do I get a drink while I watch the movie? Exactly. Cinnabar is like uh, they have them up in like Colorado, maybe in Chicago, um, but like. Um, Cinnabars, uh, you can sit down and you can eat a meal like you're at a restaurant and watch the movie and you can order drinks and shit like that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Huh, yeah. So I'd rather do like a Cinnabar experience than have like something shake me around and rattle my body around the whole fucking time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. When someone kicks my seat only- by accident, I get pissed off. Oh, no shit. I was at Boyhood right. and, and there was this asshole behind me that kept tapping the seat. Oh. So like during the half, the middle of the movie, I got up and sat in the seat in front of me because I was just so fucking annoyed. And this guy was older; he should have known better. Don't tap the fucking seat. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. What is? <laughs> what is going on over there? I think Jacob's playing roughly with his Power Rangers toys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being stationary right now. Someone fell down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, this podcast, it's like a Fairly Brothers movie this episode. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, Chevy Chase physical comedy going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, someone just fell into the Christmas tree again. <laughs> All right, guys, um, let's talk uh, about uh, Grace Point. Grace Point premiered on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Grace Point. When a young boy is found dead on a uh, beach, a major police investigation goes underway in the small California seaside town where the tragedy occurred. Soon deemed a homicide, the case sparks a media frenzy, which throws the boy's family into further turmoil and upends the lives of all of the town's residents. Uh, Grace Point is a loose remake of the UK series Broadchurch, and both series come from the same writer and creator. Grace Point, however, differs considerably from the Broadchurch uh, and features a different ending. Grace Point is a 10-episode ten, uh, ten series, whereas Broadchurch, the British show, it is based on 
was eight episodes. The reason for the extra two episodes is because Broadchurch was originally created to be ten episodes long. However, the British network ITV would only commission eight episodes, forcing the creators to cut two episodes out. Fox allowed the creators free choice over how many episodes Grace Point would be, so they chose to restore the missing two episodes. Uh, it stars... Uh, Kevin Zegers as Owen, who I, I know this guy, this Kevin Zegers guy, he played like the reporter. Okay. He was on a, uh. He was an Airbud. He was an Airbud? He was the main kid in Airbud. No shit. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. He also, uh, was in a, uh, Titanic. Right. <laughs> he was in a Titanic, um, miniseries, I think on Stars hmm. called, uh, Blood and Steel. He played the lead guy in that. Okay. Uh, Sarah Jane Potts is uh, Gemma Fisher, uh, David Tennant, Doctor Who. Yeah. He, he was, oddly enough, he was in both versions, right? He was in both versions. He starred as Emmett mm-hmm. Carver, Anna Gunn, uh, Detective Ellie Miller, Jessica Lucas as Renee, Karen Mott as Angela, and Jack Irvine as the little boy Tom Miller. Um, Fox originally planned to cast an all-new American cast for Grace Point using none of the actors from the British original. However... They allowed David Tennant to audition for the role of Carver, the role based on the role he played in Broadchurch, and he, quote, blew away the competition, uh, winning the role over all the American actors who also auditioned for Carver, even though Tennant had auditioned in an accent that was not his own. I think he pulled off the accent. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think he did a good job. Oh, totally. That was okay. Definitely. Kind of bullshit, though. Like, he's got a little bit of an advantage, right? Of course he's going to beat out everyone else at playing a part that he played. Okay, the thing is, though, it's like American audiences, unless you're watching Doctor Who, yeah. you don't know who the fuck David Tennant is. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, especially with uh, trying to get down an American accent, he had his work cut out for him. So, um, I love David Tennant and, um, I am so glad to see American audiences be able to like watch him and do what he does. And this is not a character. This is totally not Dr. Who in any way, shape or form. No. And it was kind of cool to see him be able to stretch his, uh, acting ability and play like a different character, a more serious character. I loved it. I fucking love seeing him anyway. So I loved it. Totally. Um, what did you guys think about uh, the premiere episode of Grace Point? It was okay to me. It was a mild taste it to me. It didn't have anything that really stood really? out to me. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I don't know. It just didn't do much for me. I thought the location and the setting was really cool. And one of the more interesting things about it, like the actual place and everything. But I don't know. It didn't really do it for me. Um, I am hmm. not familiar with um, David Tennant. Is that how you say his name? Yes. From Doctor Who Too Much. And without that, he didn't really stand out to me as really anything that special. Like, this didn't make me feel the need to watch him in Doctor Who or anything. I don't know. It was interesting. I'm going to keep watching and hope that maybe it gets a little bit more interesting as they kind of throw more suspects at the wall and everything. But it was just kind of, it felt like just a procedural whodunit to me. Jared, what hmm. did you think, man? I loved it. Um I didn't watch it on the actual night of the premiere because uh, I had to work. But, um, I man, I give that a Tupperware. Um, I love David Tennant. Um, loved him in Doctor Who. And Anna Gunn, who is actually like his partner in it, was the wife on Breaking Bad. Um, so I have seen her in that as well. Um, I really liked where they were going with the story. Um, I thought that there were some twists kind of at the end of the episode um, <laughs> that – 
made it interesting and made me want to see where they're going to continue to go with it. But yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, Jacob, did you get a chance to see this? I did. I definitely enjoyed it, but I think I'm going to let it sit and either DVR the rest of it and watch it all 10 episodes or uh, wait till it comes on Netflix. Okay, so you you think this would be kind of like a good show to like binge watch? I it would be perfect for like a nice weekend if you're not working, just five one day, five the next, and call it a day. Yeah, um, I watched it, and I'm in the same camp as Jared, dude. Um, I've got to give this a fucking Tupperware. I yeah. I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. David Tennant. I, it was great to see him again. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because I love the guy. He's my favorite doctor. Um, yep, same here. Yeah, so I, I loved seeing him, um, and uh, it, it just—I was really excited. Like you said, there's the twist at the end, and uh, the twist at the end, I was just like, "Oh shit!" I did not yeah. see that coming. You know, especially um, the twist at the end, like who it came from. I was expecting yep. like a twist at the end to come from a different character, and it came from a character like out of left field. I was like, "Holy shit! What is yeah. going on?" Yep. You you agree? <laughs> The weird sound. Yeah, I, I just, I'm gonna keep with it. I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't hate it. I would love, I like to toss things, so yeah. I would toss it if I didn't like it. It was yeah. definitely enjoyable, but it just didn't have, didn't seem anything more special than any other kind of whodunit to me. Nothing really stood out as astounding. Okay. So I'm interested to hear what you guys, like, made you just Tupperware it so much, you know? Like, what am I missing? I think the the fact that it, it's a self-contained story, like we know we're going to get 10 episodes, so it's not mm. like it's going to be an yep. ongoing thing. The fact that I already know that like within 10 episodes, they're going to wrap this up. This isn't going to be like a season two type of thing. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. me hopeful that it's going to be a very good self-contained story. Um, each character I, I really liked. Um, I, I want to know more, more about David Tennant's character. Like what happened with him? Why is he on the outs in this? You know, he, he, he had already been a, a, a uh, prolific detective in this other city. You know, what yeah. happened with him? There's got to be a story behind him. Um, and then I want to know more about the people in the town. This seems like a boring town. A lot of not, not a lot happens there, but it seems like there's a lot of people at the end of this show that they get the glimpses of that they show who, who could be involved in like this, like murder. So I want to know more about everybody's story. So I think this, this show did like a good job of like setting up like who, like who are the main players. And as each episodes go along, maybe it's going to be kind of like the leftovers. We'll have the, we'll have like individual episodes mm. where we get to see like different characters and like how their story plays out. I did think it was interesting that, uh, I'm, Oh God, I'm not going to say it. Hey, spoil away. It's the first episode. <laughs> no, I'm going to say something that could be controversial. Oh, gotcha. Should I? Should I? Or should I not say it? I don't know. We can edit it, right? Yeah. Okay. Just go for it. Okay. You know, like the the okay, the, a little boy dies, right? Yeah. A little boy dies, and at the end of the show, they're showing like all the people that they think could be involved in this murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the boy, they said that the boy was not sexually abused. Yeah. And then they showed um, a picture of the priest. I thought to myself, oh, okay, it wasn't the priest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's okay. I think you're fine saying that. <laughs> yeah, Brian's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. That wasn't so bad. We've said worse. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Probably this episode. Yeah, we have. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yeah, what was up with that kid, right? That's what I want to know. That, yeah. that was the one thing I was Tommy, like, the little boy? Yeah, what's up with that little boy? He's yeah. up to something sinister. That's yeah. weird to have the kid be such a big suspect. Mm-hmm. But it well, seemed I don't like- know. I think... I could see like a hot fuzz situation happening where like you think that it's like this little contained town and nothing really happens. And, then, and as we get farther into the show, you like a lot of like stuff comes out of the laundry with like um, you saw it at one point in there where the mom was like questioning the dad and you got this feeling like the dad had something to do with it. So I don't know. Yeah. Do you think that they're trying to like do that misdirection, though? Because the dad did seem like like every all like signs were pointing to him. And maybe it's misdirection. Hmm. It yeah, did. It I might mean, be. he didn't seem as like remorseful. Not remorseful. It shouldn't be the word. But like, he didn't see it. He didn't seem as upset or sad as like anybody else in the family. Yeah, he was. It yeah, seemed like he was, was trying to be the rock, though. You know, he was trying to be supportive yeah. to to his wife and other kids that were really sad. Yeah, like you kind of have. I think to- that's a good way to describe it. Definitely him yeah. acting like the emotionally stable one. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, my my wife actually thinks that the dad is cheating on the wife, and that's what's going on with that. Oh, so he's not worried about like uh, like the murder or anything. He's worried about other things coming out. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Huh, wow. So this is wild. It's almost like we're talking about the same thing that we're going to talk about later. A little. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Yeah. I, I Tupperware it. I thought it was great. It kept my interest the whole time. I thought it was a great setup to the whole series. Um, I think we're going to find out more. I mean, just like uh. I think it, it, it has a good it, – it doesn't have as an amazing a hook as, like, the show The Leftovers. Yeah. Okay? Like, The Leftovers, the hook is, like, these people disappear. And mm-hmm. in this episode, it's, like, a murder. And we've seen that. Yeah. We've seen that in other things. So the hook isn't, like, as amazing. Like, oh, uh, oh my God, I got to watch this because somebody was murdered. You know what I mean? That happens in, like, every CSI episode. Exactly. That's kind of what I yeah. took away from it. Like, I'm not a big fan of that kind of show. But it's not a procedural thing because it's not all wrapped up after one episode. And I know it's a self-contained thing within ten episodes. So I thought it was yeah. enough to get me – I thought it was enough to to keep me invested in this show. And I me seeing David Tennant playing, like, a totally different character than what he usually plays and kind of, like, more of, like, a uh, – like a hard-nosed, like, detective. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great, man. I thought it was great. I mean, he was, like, totally out of his, out of his element and, and, and from what I've seen him in, like, Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm going to go three episodes. Okay. And then if I'm not, like, digging it more than I am now by then, I'm just going to jump off. I'm hooked. I'm going to watch it till the very end. I want to see what happens. Yeah. Oh, same here. It was the same thing with True Detective. See, I didn't see True Detective. Oh, dude, you've got to. I know. You've got to. I know. Shame on me. Yeah, True Detective was absolutely amazing. And that's another one. I think this will be the same way where if I just watch watch it in like a binge setting, it's going to be awesome. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That's what I did with True Detective. I just binge watched that. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. Um, probably. Hey, Jacob, what did you give it? Did you give it a taste it? Yeah, I gave it a taste it. Okay. So two tastes in a Tupperware again. Yeah, me and Jacob. <laughs> the two Jakes are the cynics. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I think it'll be once all ten episodes are out and I watch all ten, the series as a whole might become a Tupperware. But the single episode is the taste it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I hope the whole series as a whole is a Tupperware. All right. So um, I know, Jared, you were wanting to talk about Scorpion, the new show. Uh, what network is that airing on? I believe that is on CBS. CBS. Um, 
Yeah. How many episodes deep so, are they? They are two episodes deep. The third one's going to be tomorrow night on I'm, Monday night. I'm super excited. I've always wanted a Mortal Kombat show like that. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> so basically it's about an eccentric genius um, and he forms an international network of super geniuses um, of like I think it's four or five people to act as the last line of defense against the complicated threats of the modern world. Um, and the first episode – just kind of introduces you to these characters. Um, you've got Elias Gable, who plays Walter O'Brien, who is kind of the lead of the show. Um, you've got Catherine McPhee, who was on like American Idol, and she I think she was in a couple yeah. different movies. Do you have Eddie the McFever? <laughs> what was that? I said, do you have the McFever? <laughs> I do not have the McFever. Um, <laughs> Eddie K. Thomas is in it, and he, he plays Finch on American Pie. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah. So I thought that was – he actually plays like a super, super smart um, psychologist in the show, um, which is an interesting departure from his, his Finch character. But uh, – and then it's got Robert Patrick who is kind of the government agent guy. And uh, it's just – it's a it's a really well done show. It's a really smart show. Um, they, they did a really good job of – making you believe that these people are actual geniuses. Um, when you watch some of these shows like CSI and NCIS, um, they don't ever explain to you like the mechanics of how things work within the show or like bones and stuff, those procedural kind of things. Um, and with this, I thought they did a really good job of like portraying the characters um, as what they were. Um, the story of the the pilot was really good, uh, but yeah, I don't. I'm not going to spoil it because none of you guys have seen it, and I want you guys to go watch it. But um, it's definitely a Tupperware for me. So, so okay, it's basically like you've got these people. It's so it's like a team dynamic. They work together. Yeah, yeah, yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, like, what's the hook? Like, like, why should we watch this show? Like, I, I don't want you to. It, you've chosen not to spoil it, which is fine. But yeah. I mean, is there a hook that you can give us to, that won't spoil this? The hook is there is a character who is a little boy in the show, and he's. I feel like he's going to play a big role, and that's all I'm going to say. So. Okay, so Tupperware Scorpion definitely should watch it. Okay, I bet Robert yep. Patrick is going to be asking if you've seen that boy. You know. <laughs> so, all right, Jake. Um, what did you want to talk about this week? What's your good pop, bad pop, chief? Um, I finally got all caught up with the Once Upon a Time. Oh, Madeline, she should love this. Yeah, I um, it was like about a three week endeavor where I watched um season two, season three, and the season premiere last week, and I'm all set to watch it week by week now. Awesome. You know? starting tonight nice. again um it was a fun binge watch i just kind of fell off like i said I, it wasn't that i wasn't digging the show it was that i kind of was in the middle of a big move and my dvr got wiped and all that kind of nonsense brian knows where i'm coming from there i know exactly where you're coming from so you know thanks to the netflix gods i was able to catch back up with all of that and um it was a super fun rewatch um i, I wish you guys watched this show i i this is a really fun show do um, either of you guys watch the show i'm jerk watched Oh, sorry, Jerry. I've watched the first season and like half of the second season. Um, and then the same thing happened that happened with Jake. I just kind of fell off. Um, we moved from one house into our apartment and a lot of different things and, um, just haven't gotten back into it, but I need to. It's gotcha. on Netflix. So gotcha. Yeah. It was, it was really great. I think, um, 
each season was better than the last until it got to the third season, which was a little bit dry for me, but then really heated back up in the last couple episodes. They do kind of a back to the future riff where they go back in time to like fix things. And it's real pop culture savvy. Like the character is talking to Captain Hook and saying that this is very much like what Marty McFly did. And Captain Hook hmm. asked if Marty McFly, McFly was a powerful wizard. And because he has no idea of any of these pop culture references, right, you know, right? And it's even funnier when they're asked what prince and princess they are. Hook um, says he's Prince Charles, or that's who the character introduces him as, right? And she's Princess Leia, since no one in the Enchanted Forest has heard of that Star Wars character. Oh, that's funny. And it's <laughs> and it's another Disney franchise. Well, so just like can, Back to the Future, where they asked like what Marty's it, name was in Back to the Future Three, and he said Clint Clint Eastwood. Exactly. Or, yeah. or no, it was Calvin Klein, right? <laughs> no, that was Calvin Klein oh, when he went back to the 50s. Oh, that's right, that's right. But when he went into the Western, Back to the Future 3, it was Clint Eastwood because he was a big fan of uh, the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, that's right. Good call. But yeah, it was a really fun arc to me. I like time travel storylines a lot, and it was yeah. fun to dive back into the history of the show. But now the show has put its full focus on kind of doing the big Frozen storyline and merging that with the characters. And I got to tell you, I was really skeptical about this. Um I was a big fan of Frozen. I liked it a lot, but I really didn't know how that was going to mesh with the show I already liked. Right. And so far, just one episode in, I got to say, I'm really digging it. I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, they're already tying the Frozen characters into the backstories of the other previously established characters. Um, we know that Elsa, the main character from Frozen, or one of the two main characters, was trapped in like a vault that Rumpelstiltskin had where he kept like all the things that were just too powerful for him to even deal with. And she was locked up there and then freed from there when all of our main hero characters escaped from there. So now she's loose in the main town just causing havoc and not really knowing what's going on. And it looks like it's going to be like the show kind of runs like Heroes used to do back in the day where it would do two separate arcs. Like mm-hmm. this show kind of runs that okay. same way. It does like 10 to 11 episodes of this and then 10 mm-hmm. to 11 episodes of that. So it looks like this whole first arc is going to be all the um, frozen stuff tied in. And I'm really excited because Elizabeth Mitchell is going to be in it, who Brian, you'll remember from V. She was the um, main cop character whose son was dating the alien creature. She was great. And she was Juliet on Lost. And she is going to be the main big bad of this first arc. She's going to be like a new villain character from the world of Frozen. Is this the first time she's played a villain? Yes, this is like the first really villainous role for her, I think. Yeah, I'm not used to seeing her as a villain. I think she's going to be really good. Um, I've seen costume design for what she's going to look like, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Who's she playing? She's like um, she's an unnamed character. She's an unknown villain from the Frozen universe that we've never seen before. But she's going to be like your your Peter Pan was one season or your Wicked Witch was another. She's going to be like the overarching bad guy for the season. I, so I like the actress, so that's very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so super excited for more episodes. Um, they haven't introduced Elizabeth Mitchell yet, but I'm expecting it either tonight or in the next couple weeks. So from the point where you stopped watching to the point where you are now, how would you rate it? Toss it, taste it, Tupperware? Th- this show's a Tupperware for me. It definitely can get really cheesy sometimes because, I mean, the source material is Disney characters. And yeah. so sometimes you're dealing with the Little Mermaid and, you know, Captain Hook and stuff that could come 
off a little cheesy, and sometimes they play up the cheese, you know, Beauty and the Beast dance to the Beauty and the Beast song, right. and you're a little bit like groan. But at the heart of it, it's just such a smart show, and they do they do so many smart things with the characters. The characters are so true to their actual original incarnations in many ways, but with just nice little twists, and it's it's super fun. I, this is a Tupperware for me. I'm really upset that I got behind, but I'm really excited now that I got to watch, you know, 40 some episodes in a couple of weeks. Now you're caught up and you can, uh, you can keep up with it. That's good. Yeah. It's almost sad though. It was like a routine where I was watching like two to three episodes a day or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, damn it. Now I got to wait a fucking week to see this shit again. Right. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Are you guys ready to talk about, uh, the, uh, movie that we watched this week? I think everybody watched it, but, uh, Jacob Harmon. Yeah, I did not see the movie. Okay, it's, uh, uh, it's Gone Girl. We, uh, all went and saw Gone Girl. So, um, I mean, what do you get when you take the director of Fight Club and add Batfleck? Uh, you add the music of Nine Inch Nails frontman Trent Reznor with the crazy lady from The Leftovers who lost her family. You got, (laughs) you got Medea as a lawyer and you throw in Minkus from Boy Meets World. (laughs) You get this week's Pop Culture Leftovers movie review. That's exactly what you get. Pop got to left. Yeah, did you hear that, Harmon? <laughs> I know. That cut me deep, man. I know now you feel my pain. <laughs> did you guys did you guys listen to the first episode where we like unveiled that whole fucking intro? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that was a crazy. That was crazy. That was they unveiled shit. it to me too. That episode. Yeah, yeah. So. What episode was that? It was uh, episode thirty-seven where we did I think Captain it's the America. X-Men? Oh, it's Captain America. Captain America. Yeah, the Winter Soldier. Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna review Gone Girl. Um, uh, let's give our reviews. Uh, are we going spoiler free? Are we going? Uh, Man, spoiler? I feel. I feel nervous with Harmon here. I. Error. I don't. Well, I don't want to think about the other <laughs> listeners too. Yeah, but I. I don't want to personally spoil it from him. I think even non-spoiler talk is a little bit like whoa. I don't know. I mean, I can get into non-spoiler talk. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Harmon? You know what? I think I might bounce anyway. Okay. All right. So. Okay. But yeah, it's been awesome being on this episode, and uh, I can't wait to download it and listen to this after I see the movie. I might go catch it tomorrow. I'm not trying to use the really long cane to pull you off stage here. Just no, so it's you know. all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. As long as I get that classy piano music in the background. Hold on. Do you want some piano music to exit you out? That's completely up to you, but that would be awesome. I know what I'm smelling. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Here you go. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Jacob Harmon. This is... You guys remember this. This is the Lonely Man oh. from... Uh, the Incredible Hulk? The Incredible Hulk TV series yep. with Bill Bixby. I'm just going to hitchhike my way on out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, it's been a blast talking with you guys. Yeah. And uh, I haven't listened to the, the comic show, but I'm going to have to give that a shot, too. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. for dropping your uh, pop or your Power Ranger knowledge on us. Yeah, anytime. I'll, uh, I'd love to be back on if the chance ever arises again. Maybe next time you can bring your mother on. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that way, if she has like any orders to shout out to you, she can just do it on the show. It'll make it less awkward. 
That much easier. That much easier. Very convenient. Yeah, we can we can see what you and your mom think about Big Robot Six when that comes out. <laughs> I'll take her to see it at a matinee. We'll get her reviews. Nice. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> it was great talking with you too, man. This fucking music in the background. I know it makes the whole thing so sad. It does. It's like we're never going to talk to Harmon again. I know, <laughs> Jacob. I'm actually scared to let you go. I'm like worried about your safety at this point. <laughs> you can let go. It's okay. I'm, I'm sitting on top of that floating piece of wood. You know. Oh, I'm just I'm so gonna, bad I'm with goodbyes. I love the Titanic reference. He's like on the piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodbyes are so hard. Hey, Jacob. Before you go, could you pose for me like one of those French girls <laughs> in your drawings? <laughs> I, uh, I think I've got a chase lounge kicking around somewhere. Right on, man. <laughs> Right on, man. It's been good having you, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime. Yeah, without a doubt, guys. All right, man. You as well, man. All right. You take care, buddy. All right. All right. All right, um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the David Fincher movie Gone Girl that just came out this weekend. Um, Gone Girl, uh, let's see here. So are we going to go spoiler? Uh, we can keep it spoiler-free. I can do it. Really? Yeah, I think I can do it, too. Okay. Synopsis for the film. Uh, with his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. It's directed by David Fincher. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck as Nick Dunn, Rosamund Pike as Amy Dunn, Neil Patrick Harris as Desi Collings, Tyler Perry as Tanner Bolt, Margot Dunn, as uh, you know, uh, Carrie Coon uh, from The Leftovers as Margot Dunn, Kim Dickens as Detective R- Rhonda Boney. It's a horrible last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Fugit as Officer Jim Gilpin, and then Lee Norris, who plays an officer in the film. And I just had to throw this out there. He also played Mancus uh, when he was a kid on uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, gotcha. Sorry, just had to throw it out there. I just thought it was uh, <laughs> yep. deserving. <laughs> Um, well, he's also he also plays Mouth on One Tree Hill. That's true. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right about that. Um, who wants to go ahead and uh, talk about the movie and rate the movie first? Let's let, let's let Jared I can go, go ahead. for it. Jared, go for it. Um, so I went into this actually like intentionally being a little blind to it. So like I had saw one of the initial trailers, but then after that, I didn't really see anything else. Um, I'm a huge David Fincher fan. Like I love um, seven and I love fight club and I'm actually, I, I love the social network too. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff. So I had high expectations, even though I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and, and, just going in, I had the premise of it's basically about this guy who his wife is murdered or kidnapped and you don't really know who did it. Um, and the just not knowing what to expect, it it blew my mind um, as far as like just the way uh, the different places that the story went um, and the different things that happened. Uh, I thought the acting was great. Um, it really been, it's one of my favorite Ben Affleck performances, honestly. Um, I, it gives me a lot of hope for Batman V Superman. Um, I thought Rosamund Pike was the creepiest, like, uh, it's just the way that she played her character. It reminded me a lot of like the old Alfred Hitchcock stuff. Um, just the way that they played those roles. Um, but to me, when I walk out of a movie and I can't get it out of my head, um, like just 
going to sleep, waking up in the morning and it's still being like in my head and like what happens and, and even just like the ending, um, that's when I know it's a good movie. Um, so I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Um, I, my wife didn't get to see it when I went, and I'm planning on taking her to see it and see it again. So, yeah, it was a good movie. I liked it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of the same stuff Jared said. Um, I did the exact same thing, actually. I'm a huge David Fincher fan. Um, all the same movies you listed. Um, love Zodiac. I'll, I'll fucking be an Alien 3 apologist. You know, you know, I, I'm a huge fan. So as soon as I knew it was the new Fincher movie, I kind of just tuned out all the press for it and just saw that initial trailer and, you know, just went in kind of blank and very much had the same feelings towards it. A real Hitchcockian type of movie, you know, just a, a real character study. And then throughout the movie with its twists and turns, even though some of the stuff may be radical, everything was still really grounded in what the characters would do in those yeah. like, situations and whatnot. Um, I was blown away by this movie. It's it's definitely a Tupperware to me. It was a m- great thriller, one of the best thrillers I can ever remember seeing. Oh, yeah, same uh, here. Um, my only complaint about this movie, if I'm going to say the one thing that drove me absolutely crazy about this movie, is I was not a fan of the Trent Reznor score in this movie. It was, really? Yeah, it kind of drove me nuts. It was just the whole movie. And, and it kind of, <laughs> ah, it just did not do it for me. I thought he did a great job with the Social Network soundtrack. I thought he did a great job with the Dragon Tattoo soundtrack, which was another collaboration he did with fincher but it just didn't work it was just like industrial sounds during a lot of the scenes was kind of distracting to me that was my my only complaint about it but i i also thought it was probably ben affleck's one of his best performances if not his best um i thought amazingly enough um tyler perry blew me away um i couldn't give two fucks about seeing a tyler perry movie but he was phenomenal and you know phenomenal in this movie Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I loved his character. <laughs> yeah, his character might have been my favorite character. I loved how much this movie dealt with um, the media aspect of it, too, and not oh, totally. just, like, the character drama. The You know, he takes the one selfie, and then that's the fucking photo they use on everything they show and everything, and just how the media, like, takes things out of context and molds it however they want. You know, they tell the story they want to tell. And that was a great, like, yeah, that Abbott, story that to Abbott it. chick who was like always every five seconds, she was just releasing a new story, just like the TMZ. I mean, that's basically what it was. Yeah, it was great commentary on the media side of when this kind of circus happens in real life. And I really appreciated that. I'd never really seen like that in a movie, like that side of it done so well. So, yeah, definite Tupperware for me. I thought it was one of Fincher's best. Um, it, it was great. Yeah. Um, this movie, I felt it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting movie. Um, uh, the time displacement in the film, uh, was just pieced together wonderfully, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the, uh, you got different, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll show you like, uh, things that are happening now and then they'll show you things that happened in the past, but it, it, it all comes together and the editing was great. They yeah. did a great job with that, and it wasn't con- yeah, and it wasn't confusing at all. Um, the first act I felt was fantastic. The first act I loved how they they made the first act focus on Ben Affleck's character. Um, I loved that. I thought it was great. Um, and then you move on to the second act, and the second act it dealt with his wife Amy. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the first act all Ben Affleck, second act pretty much all of his wife, and then they go on to the third act 
which is where they tie everything together. And I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant the, yeah. the, the way that they did it. It was brilliant. The way they used her diary as the flashback narrative was brilliant. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm, I kind of want to rewatch this movie again just to see some of those flashbacks again and right. kind of knowing what you know after seeing the entire movie. Uh, this was a long movie. It was two hours, 25 minutes, um, but it did not feel like a movie that was two and a half hours long at all. Um, kept my interest the whole time. Um, you stole a little bit of my thunder that I was going to talk about. The guy that I was going to talk about was Tyler Perry. Oh, he was so great. Holy shit. He was dude. awesome. He was, <laughs> that, that might have been the biggest shocking twist of the movie was yeah. how great fucking Tyler Perry you, was. You stole my thunder yeah. there, you know, and I've seen him do like little cameos and like he usually he does his own Tyler Perry originals, like with the Medea movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he's made like little appearances here and there. He did like Star Trek, you know, where he played that, uh, the judge or whatever the fuck you want to call that person. And, you know, yeah. had to do the sentencing for uh, Captain Kirk. But, I mean, he's done some stuff like that. But, like, he was absolutely phenomenal in this film, like you said. He I, was. I wouldn't be surprised if he got an Oscar nom for this. Oh, God. Uh, best Supporting Actor? Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor? Best Supporter. I, I predict it now. Absolutely. He, he was, I he can was, totally see that. He was so good. Some of the best scenes are like uh, him when he's uh, doing the coaching and he's throwing the M and M's at Ben Affleck during yeah. that, while they're rehearsing <laughs> for that interview. Oh, I loved that part. Absolutely phenomenal. He he played it perfect because he didn't play like uh, he didn't play like he wasn't so under the radar that you didn't get a sense of who his character was. But he wasn't over the top. He wasn't like in Rocky Five, the guy that played the Don King character. No, he was like the super suave Johnny fucking Cochran. Exactly. And shit. He was awesome. Exactly. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, um, that's exactly who he was. Um, after he they after he had filmed the movie, he had come out and he said that he would have passed on it had he known the source material and who David Fincher was. Uh, I mean, like this is not his typical type of movie that he, that he does. And and this is this is an exact quote from Tyler Perry. He said, "I probably would have walked away from it if I had known who David Fincher was and his body of work." Or if I had known the book was so popular, I would have said no. And my agent knew that. He didn't tell me until after I signed on. So, like, for me personally, like, highlights of the film, uh, and I think he he was one of the highlights of the film, I mean. And and I Absolutely. think this is the type of movie that he needs to dip his toes into from now on. And I think this teaches him – I hope this teaches him a lesson. Like, if you say mm-hmm. – if you say, like, he's, like, a, a, a nominee for, like, uh, Best Supporting Actor – I, even if he's just a nominee, I hope this like teaches him something that, yeah, you need to, uh, you need, you've got a range. I mean, you can, you can explore these different types of like roles in movies. You don't have to be so in your own, uh, you know, Tyler Perry, Medea universe. I mean, people want to see other aspects of like your acting ability because he mm. really was like the standout performance in this movie. Yeah, he definitely has the chops. I mean, yeah. for sure. You got to imagine that he walked away learning stuff because, I mean, he himself does directing. He's and- like, he's like a, for me, he was like the surprise surprise performance like when you watch a thor movie yeah and you're like okay that was a great thor movie but man that 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 guy that played loki was really really good yeah Yeah. like wow that was the same thing coming out of this like i was thinking like like oh maybe we're gonna get like an amazing neil patrick harris performance and not to take anything away from him he did a great job yeah but like leaving this movie and me saying like oh my god tyler perry was amazing I never thought that that was going to happen. Yeah, my experience was the only thing I did was look at the cast on IMDb, 
And when I saw Tyler Perry was in it, my reaction was, what? Tyler Perry's in this? Yeah. So, I mean, I was just blown away. Like, I already kind of had, like, a negative connotation to the fact that he was even going to be in it. Well, he's good in, like, the things that he does. Yeah, exactly. But, like, in this universe, does he really fit? And he more than fit in this universe. And he excelled in this. And he made the movie, like, take on a a whole nother level where, like, you had, like, this serious tone. But you had this guy who was playing his lawyer who wasn't too serious and really cared about like what his uh what what his client had to had to say. He was the, by far like a lot of the comic relief came from him and oh, it wasn't like yeah. hammy. I loved Definitely. when he told uh Ben Affleck and his sister, you know, that they're two of the most fucked up people he'd ever met. Right. And he deals right. in <laughs> fucked up people. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, big laugh for me and the theater. Yeah. Um the good thing though is like after I read um like uh like the quotes that he had said about like if I he would have known who Fincher was and like the source material um he read the script originally and loved it he said he was blown away by the script and he loved working with David Fincher he said he learned a lot so it sounds like now you know like like had he known the body of work he wouldn't have even read the script hmm. But, uh, well, you know, I'm glad that he didn't know the body of work. I'm glad that he kind of got suckered into this by his agent because, uh, I had a great time watching him play this part of, uh, the lawyer and Tanner Bolt or whatever his name was. And, yeah. Yep. And uh, I hope that this, I, I hope this opens his eyes and he's like, wow, holy shit. You know, I, 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 there's a lot more out there for me. I just don't have to be like in this whole like Tyler Perry, you know, Medea thing, you know, he I, can, he can I totally ex- agree. Yeah. If they made another yeah, serious it was just, drama, another side of him that you hadn't really seen before. Um, and I think you made a good point. Like he did bring a lot of the comic relief to it, but at the same time, um, like the scenes where he's coaching him up and stuff like that. Um, there was just like a seriousness to him, um, and to his acting that I hadn't really seen before. Yeah. He was so good that I think at this point he is a draw for me to go see a serious drama with Tyler Perry in it. Like if they came out, if they came out with another thriller or drama and he was in it, I would consider seeing that movie more now because he was in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you know, he has tried to do something different. Like, he did an action movie, mm-hmm. and it didn't really go over well with audiences. You know, they wanted to see more of the Tyler Perry comedy stuff. So, like, yeah, this is totally something, like, out of his element, doing, like, a David Fincher film. Yeah. But David yeah. Fincher himself said, this part was made for Tyler Perry. That's who he wanted to play this. And so it's it's great when things that you never think would happen happen. And then they turn out to be something so amazing. And that's what we saw in this movie with that performance. Yeah. We're going yeah. on and on about this guy. And like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, I mean, um, in a movie where there are certain points, parts in this movie that are just so outrageous, there yeah. are some parts in this movie that like, if it did not have certain uh, actors like Tyler Perry doing what they did so well, it could really take you out of the movie. Yeah. Cause there are some outrageous yeah. things that happen in this movie that you could, you could get lost in it and just be like, I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I'm out. But when you have a performance like that in the midst of it, it, it keeps you involved in the movie. Yeah. To compare it to another Fincher movie, Fight Club, it very much kind of has that same moment where to some yeah. people it may have just jumped the shark. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it's really interesting like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you guys? Did, did you guys I rate it? Did I rate it? I, I didn't know. I don't it. think so, but we can assume. I think it's a Tupperware. Yeah, it was great. Did, did, did a lot of people Tupperware like, party? Yeah. Oh shit! It Tupperware is Tupperware party. You're absolutely right. It is a Tupperware party. Tupperware party. <laughs> so we're not going to spoil it, but maybe talk about some things that you liked about it. But like people in your audience like when it ended did you hear a lot of groans yeah i think because it was because the movie was so good i kind of groaned a little bit but it was just because it it it, you know it doesn't tie it up with a nice little bow Mm -hmm. and so and you're so involved in the story and the characters that it's like cutting the cord a little early does everything need to be tied up in a nice little bow though no that's that's what makes it so fun to think about everything but but it kind of did because, I mean, you get that opening scene and the ending scene tied right back into that opening scene. That's a very good point. I'm not saying – my groan wasn't like, oh, that's, that was a shitty ending. It was yeah. more of a groan like, oh, I could have taken another half an hour of that. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, but I, I – I, it's hard to talk about this without going into spoilers. I know. I really know. <laughs> um, um, Can I divert it and ask if, if you guys had – did you guys like the Trent Reznor music? Am I alone in that camp? Uh, Jared, I want to hear your thoughts. Trent Reznor well, I music. I mean, like, Nine Inch Nails was one of the bands that I really listened to a lot when I was in high school. So, like, I kind of have an affinity for that anyways. And I, I'm kind of into, like, the industrial indie kind of music. So I thought that um, – like I agree that there were some moments where it was a little bit distracting, but I also thought that it did a really good job of like building the tension in certain scenes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd probably give them the Trent Reznor music like a taste it, but yeah, it wasn't as good as the social network. Yeah. Okay. It yeah, wasn't, agreed. It wasn't agreed. as good as the social network. There was a couple scenes where they were using the music when Ben Affleck, like in the first act and shit like that, where mm-hmm. I was kind of taken out of it. But I mean, you know, um, I think there were scenes where it really did amp up the tension and shit like that, where it did work well. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen Trent Reznor evolve, man. I mean, you know, from doing music. Then he did fucking, like, uh, what was it, the first Unreal video game? He did the music for the Unreal video game. Was it Unreal? The Unreal? I don't know. I didn't know he did video game music. He did. He did, uh, huh. I think he did music for Unreal, the first, the first one. Uh, I could be wrong. Somebody, Frank will probably correct me. But uh, he did music for video games for a while and then seeing him take it to the movies and then he gets like a fucking Oscar for that shit. Yeah, and I loved it in Social Network. Yeah. I'm not like, ah, fuck Trent Reznor. I just – in this movie, it was like off-putting to me. There was only a couple times where it was like really noticeably off-putting for me. The yeah. rest of the time, I think it really worked well for the tone of the movie. Yeah, it didn't – by no means I still Tupperware this movie and it didn't – destroy this movie for me but it, it was a little bit like whoa okay <laughs> you're, you're saying trent reznor phoned it in on this movie yeah a little bit you think so he just went to his like trent reznor soundboard it felt like okay I, I, there were a couple <laughs> times you guys know where... he actually did the some of the soundtrack on seven too oh wow oh yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely well i know him and um fincher have been buddies because fincher directed a few nine inch nails videos correct me if i'm wrong yep that's correct yeah so i i mean they, they've been long time friends all right, guys. So if you were to say, if you were to talk to people like out on the street, would you be like, uh, you got to go see Gone Girl in theaters or would this be like a red box? I, I would tell everyone to see this in the theaters. 
Would you tell everybody oh, to see absolutely. this in the theaters on a first date with a woman? Oh, I think this is the worst date movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, if you think you have mar- if you think you have relationship issues and marriage problems now, just wait till you see this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Are you, and you're still talking about seeing this with your wife. Oh, she wants to see it. Okay. So I spe- like I told her about it and she keeps watching all the trailers and stuff and she so wants to see it. So okay. I'm going to go take her and see it. It's probably <laughs> a safe bet for you to see it with her. You don't want her to see it with her girlfriends and talk about oh, you afterwards. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I went on a uh, first date with a girl years ago um, when I was a teenager and I went to go see Fear, the, oh, Mark, okay. the Mark Wahlberg movie where she starts dating the psychotic. Yeah. Yeah, it was Renee. Uh, it was uh, Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. That was a bad idea, <laughs> horrible idea. So yeah. this is like the same movie you do you want, not want to see on a first date. Yeah. You want to know the worst movie to see on a first date? It's Don John. Oh yeah, yeah. I talked about that on an episode. You don't want to see that on a first date. You don't want to see that movie together with somebody that you've been with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because it, it, it starts conversations. It starts conversations. Like, oh my gosh, it really it conversations you don't want to talk about <laughs> somebody from the opposite side. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was actually one of my comments to my friend I saw this with when we were walking out. It's like, you would not want to take a date to see this movie. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Tupperware Party for uh, Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, Jared, you got to leave us, man. Yeah, I got to be up at 3 a.m. for work tomorrow. Um, <laughs> tell our listeners like how they can listen to your show and how they can follow you on Facebook and how they can tweet you and all that good stuff on the interwebs. Yeah, we're on a lot of the major things. Uh, we are on iTunes, um, and then we are currently on a website called Podomatic. Um, and to get to that, to listen to it there, if you don't have like an Apple um, product or you don't use iTunes, it's just Podomatic.com slash the Joe Schmo Comic Show. And it's the same thing for our Facebook page. It's just slash the Joe Schmo Comic Show. Um, you guys can definitely, we, we love to have you guys interact with us. Um, and the way that you can primarily do that is through our Facebook page. We're usually pretty good on getting back to you um and then we are also on twitter as well um which is just at tjs comic show um so yeah we'd love we'd love for you guys to check it out and and uh let us know what you think give us some feedback some things that we can maybe do better <laughs> as we <laughs> <start> playing <laughs> you know yeah you know feedback is good but you know take it with a grain of salt man you can only be who you are you're not going to appeal to everybody you got to find your audience you know and i think i think we found our army and they're great and that's what you want you want to find you want to find uh others out there in schmoville right yeah Schmoville. Think I might steal that. (laughs) Steal it. Take it, man. You you know you're trying you're you're trying to build a community in Schmoville, and so you want your you want Schmoville listeners, and I hope that this show. I hope we help you get some new listeners because I think people should be listening to your show because you know I've listened to quite a few episodes and you guys do a great job. I love it when you guys cover um, like the uh, the DC animated shit. Oh my god, like. uh, I love your reviews of the DC animated movies. They're really fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. I mean, this has been awesome. I mean, I've been communicating with you guys for months now, um, and it's nice to actually get to talk to you straight up. So, Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I'm playing the Lonely Man music because we're going to miss you, Jared. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have you back on a future episode. But oh, yeah, love to. definitely check out the Joe Schmo comic show. Follow him on Facebook tweet them let them know that you listen to them on pop culture leftovers that you're going to listen to their shows and support them because you know a smaller podcast man we got to stick together right 
Amen. 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 So thanks a lot, Joe. I called you Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Schmo. Thanks a lot, Joe Schmo. I'm just going to call you Joe Schmo. <laughs> hey, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's build the community in Schmoville. So thanks a lot, uh, Jared. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Jake. All right. You take care. Good night. Yep. Have a- fucking old school. are so fresh snap all right hey uh it's just me and jake so yeah the two leftovers we're gonna finish out this episode so there shouldn't be any interruptions or anything like that um we're gonna talk about uh no hashtag mom problems exactly exactly it was great having um jared and jacob on i I just want to say real quick um both valid replacements for frank yeah yeah i don't God, I haven't even missed Frank this episode. No, not at all. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I miss Frank. I, it'll be nice to have him back next week. Yeah, exactly. We need someone to clink these glasses around. Right. <laughs> it's now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, so... um First thing I wanted to talk about is the Wall Street Journal reports the producers of 1995's Mortal Kombat have partnered with Tetris Company <laughs> yes, to make a live-action film based on the classic tile-matching puzzle game. So how does that lend itself to a narrative? Uh, it said, uh, quote, it's a very big epic sci-fi movie the threshold ceo larry kazanoff told the newspaper this isn't a movie with a bunch of lines running around the page we're not giving feet to the geometric shapes so we kind of talked about this in a previous episode i i did it as a joke i said all right uh we were talking about video games and i was talking about like uh games that uh go into movie adaptations and i said uh, all right tetris the movie go and we talked about like what we'd want to see out of a tetris movie is this bizarre or is this not bizarre this is the most bizarre thing ever is it taking place in russia uh, it feels like it has to right yeah 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 i can't wait to hear the uh techno dance remix of the uh tetris music oh god <laughs> so yeah that, what a bizarre story and what a bizarre group of people to be doing it the people that yeah. did the mortal Kombat movie well there we didn't report it but they're doing a space invaders movie too that's bizarre also yeah i mean like okay so how in the hell are they going to do this if they're saying that like we're not going to give feet to geometric shapes they're not going to have a bunch of lines running around in this movie, I mean, how are they? I don't even understand this. This is just bizarre. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, somehow blocks going into a pattern have to be part of the plot of this movie. It has to be. I mean, even in the movie Battleship, they had like a whole Battleship like uh, sequence where you could see it, where they were watching it on their screens, and and they were using the game of Battleship somewhat. That's ridiculous. This I, is weird. The whole thing reminds me of a robot chicken sketch where they had Hungry Hungry Hippos, the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't understand how they're going to do a Tetris movie. No. I. But I'll be seeing it in IMAX 3D. <laughs> I think I'm going to pass on this one. I think I'll red box it. I don't know. Maybe I'll wait for the first tra- trailer, but I'm not expecting anything out of this. I think it's a cash grab. Yeah. Who would you cast as the L block? As the L block? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wow, that's a good question. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know who to cast as the L block. Who who who's shaped like an L? <laughs> I don't know. I I was maybe I have no idea. Maybe maybe Neil Neil Patrick Harris is the L block. There you go. There you go. And then maybe maybe one of your favorites, Anton Mount, as the like four the four line. I don't know. Yeah, he looks Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just we've gone too far with this already. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't even I don't understand like where they're coming from or like where they're even going to go with this movie. It's just so bizarre. I would if if you told me I had to write a screenplay for the Tetris movie, I would shoot myself in the face. Yeah. Before trying to attempt to write the screenplay. Maybe they should get like a bunch of like um you know, like acrobats. Yeah. In this movie. Like, this could be, cause like acrobats can like, uh, make themselves like, uh, twist and turn into different shapes and things like that. Maybe this should be like a Tetris porno. They should call it Titris. <laughs> and like, they can just shape themselves into like different like shapes and things like that and have some crazy like Tetris orgy. Yeah. I was thinking of a plot line where maybe Tetris can be like a computer virus that's infecting everyone's computers. So all they can do is play Tetris on them and it takes, it takes the grid down. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm sold. Yeah, let's do it. I'm there. Let's do it. Let's. <laughs> I still like my porno. Yeah, I would see Tetris. <laughs> I would also see that in IMAX 3D. <laughs> oh man, when I got slapped in the face with a dick, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Next news story. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tusk came out, and then uh, Jake, you gave it a taste. It I tossed that fucker. Yeah, but, but thanks it, to Tusk, right? Thanks to Tusk. It looks like uh, because of Tusk, even though it wasn't a huge success, it's allowed uh, Kevin Smith to find financers to make Clerks Three. Um, the Weinstein Company they said no to financing it, but it looks like he's found other financers. Uh, here's the quote from Kevin Smith. Uh, Tusk was the absolute bridge to Clerks 3. Because of Tusk, I got financing for Clerks 3. A year and change ago, I was desperately trying to get Clerks 3 made for 20th for the 20th anniversary and that desperation. I must have reeked of it because I couldn't fucking find money and shit. But it was Tusk. People going, holy fuck, what else do you have? And I was like, Clerks 3, and they're like, done. So everybody that's like, he failed, he failed. I'm like, thank you, I failed into Clerks 3. So... Clerks 3 is happening. Uh, Jake, are you excited? Yes or no? No, not at all. I The thing that made me excited about Tusk was the fact that he was doing something different. I mean, even though... Can you, you disagree that it was different? No, it, it was different. It was totally different. But I don't know. To, to take that and then just do cookie-cutter Clerks 3 seems kind of like steps back for Kevin Smith to me. Yeah, I'm... Guys, I'm 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 right on board with you. I mean, it, it, Tusk was totally different than everything that he's done before, um, and I know that people left it, and I know that there was people that loved it, yeah. that absolutely loved it, that they thought it was great. But uh, I left Tusk, and I was just like, "What the hell did I just watch?" There was, I don't know. I want a movie. I want a movie that has somewhat of a of a flow, mm-hmm. and it just went from like. Uh, slapstick comedy to horror to slapstick comedy and it was just all over the place um clerks three after clerks two and what i saw from tusk um i'm not looking forward to clerks three i don't think it's going to be a uh um like a comeback movie i I want it to be in black and white i want it to have the same feel that it had like 
in Clerks, and I'm, we're not going to get that. It's not going to be in black and white. No, it's going to be in color again. No way, and it'll have a bunch of campy guest stars. It will, and that's not what I want. I don't, you know, like I. I like Rosario, Rosario Dawson, mm-hmm. but I don't want her in a Clerks movie. I want a Clerks movie to be Jay, Silent Bob, Dante, Randall. You know, I want it to be the people from like the Quick Stop. Yeah, that's what I want it to be. The first one's so real and so raw, yeah. and then the second one it feels like Hollywood. Yeah, presents Clerks exactly, so. exactly. And I think that's we're going to get more of that. You know, just like uh, when we finally got James Bo- Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh yeah, and it was just horrible. It was terrible. Ugh. So I'm not looking forward to Clerks 3. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's sad for me to say that because I love – I do love Kevin Smith, the person. I think he's a great guy. Yeah, I'm shocked that you're saying that you you just don't even care at this point. Nope. I don't want to see Clerks 3 made. I didn't – like in my universe, Clerks 2 doesn't exist. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I've never seen Clerks 2. I boycotted it from the go. Yeah. So I'm that jerk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Gotham here. Um, I want to, this is like a weird thing. I don't know. I don't even understand why I'm throwing this out there, but Jim Gordon is, uh, famous for, uh, um, you know, among other things, his mustache. Yeah. Uh, were there any conversations about making, uh, you know, Jim Gordon have facial hair in the first season or are they leaving that <laughs> for, you know, later on down the road? Because like Jim Gordon in the TV show does not have that, uh, that uh, Tom Selleck Magnum PI mustache. Yeah, that's funny. Maybe it'll be like the Superman cape to Smallville. Right. Like it's the last episode. He's got the stash. Exactly. Um, so uh, let's see here. There was a conversation um, with uh, with Ben McKenzie uh, about this. And then he said, I had lengthy conversations with Bruno and Danny about all sorts of things and meeting after meeting. And then as soon as it hit the internet that I was doing it, it felt like all anyone wanted to talk about was whether I would have a mustache or not. I thought about ringing Bruno and being like, uh, <laughs> one last thing. We just – Literally never talked about it. And then I brought it up to him and he said, no, that would look ridiculous on you. We're not doing that. It's 20 years before he can grow into the maturity and wisdom that it takes to sport a mustache. And that's the line we're sticking to. Maybe 20 years from now, the mustache will feel earned. For the record, I can grow the mustache. If you think I can't, you should watch Junebug. I'm not afraid of the mustache. I just don't feel it's appropriate for the image. So I like how he goes on the defensive there. I could yeah. do it if I wanted to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, right. could, I could grow a stash like that. I can. Right. Watch Junebug. Yeah, watch Junebug. There's, I, there's your proof. <laughs> Real quick, what did you think of Gotham episode two? I didn't watch it. No. I haven't watched it yet. It's still on my DVR. No. I haven't watched it yet. Should it, I have watched it? It was you think? What did you think? It was good. How would you rate it? It's a taste it. It's a taste it? Yeah. Okay. It was good though. Yeah. I like seeing more Penguin. I like I liked seeing more Catwoman. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. I had a busy week this week, so yeah. I didn't get the chance to watch it. It was, it was good. I will watch it. Maybe I'll watch like two and three together. There you go. All right. Let's see here. Um, moving on, we're going to go on to some Marvel news. Um, let's see here. Maybe you can help me with this, Jake, because like I like – it's it's a lot of – let's see here. I think he talks a little bit about – yeah, yeah, this is it. This is this is the email. Here we go. He talks a little bit about Ant-Man. Uh, he says, it's from Kenneth Tagger. He says, forgive me if you've mentioned this. I thought it was... No, here he goes. As usual, great job on the last episode. Lots of content, which I love, and great discussion. Despite the bickering, listening to you guys argue in circles is actually pretty entertaining as long as you don't make a habit out of it. 
But yeah, I totally agree with you guys on Tusk. A lot of the movie was devalued by the end and it went through a weird range of genres and directions. Maybe one of these days I'll grow some balls and write a review. I kept thinking of it, uh, I kept thinking of it for Tusk. Maybe you guys are wearing off on me. One last thing I loved the Star Wars theories and riffing you guys have been doing. I'm not a fanboy. But I'm an 80s kid, and Star Wars was a huge part of my life. So needless to say, I'm psyched, and hearing you guys discuss what lies ahead just gets me pumped. Besides Interstellar, Jupiter Rising, and The Martian, uh, this book was awesome, by the way. Star Wars is one of those movies I literally can't wait to see. So many possibilities. One question before I go. If I wanted to prep for the Ant-Man movie... What's the most relevant comics to check out? I see he shows up in random Avengers issues and then in Ant-Man and then Wasp. Uh, but I have no idea if I should just read a block of Avengers to get the context or should I just go in cold with no expectations? Have a good one, Kenneth Tagger. Um, I mean, I've read Ant-Man here and there. I mean, do you have any... Like, I, I would read that irredeemable Ant-Man series. Okay. I think that's actually going to be relevant to this movie, too. Okay. Where it's kind of, especially with Paul Rudd playing the character, it's it's not the same Ant-Man. It's actually the third incarnation of Ant-Man that it's about. It's neither Scott Lang or Hank Pym. Um, and I'm trying to blank on this. I hate myself here on what the name of the third Ant-Man is. Oh, I know. I know. I can't think of it either. But regardless, it's... Yeah. Because I, I really think the movie incarnation of Scott Lang is kind of a combination between the newest incarnation of Ant-Man and the Scott Lang character. Okay. I think he's going to have the thieving, being kind of a cat burglar thief characteristics of the Scott Lang character, but the real wisecracking kind of stuff going on that the third Ant-Man is all about. Okay. And that's a really good mini. I think it's it's four to six issues. You can probably get it in a trade or you can probably read it on one of the digital sites. It's called The Irredeemable Ant-Man. And I think that would be the go-to primer for an Ant-Man movie. Good call. Hope that answered your question, Kenneth. The next question uh, comes from uh, Robert Griffiths. He says, hey, fellas, really enjoyed the show. I listen to your podcast while at work and totally makes the day go faster. I really enjoy the comic book and Star Wars conversations. None of my friends are really into the same things as me, so it's fun hearing you guys argue about topics I find interesting. Growing up, my favorite X-Men issues and cartoon episodes were the ones when Wolverine battled Omega Red. What do you think the possibilities of a movie starring him as the main villain ever coming to the theaters are. Thank you for your time and keep busting Frank's balls. And one more thing, Jake sucks. Oh, well, you know what? Omega Red in a movie, never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> are, you just, are you just saying that because he said Jake sucks? No. Well, yes, I was just saying that because he said that. Gotcha. But no, I, I, I can take the ribbing. I Honestly, though, I think we will never see Omega Red as an X-Men main villain. But right. there's a very strong possibility we could see him in a Wolverine solo movie villain. Yeah. I see that a lot more. Yeah. I like the character, though. Um, I believe Jim Lee was the first person to draw Omega Red. Right. And so he was always super fucking cool. Um, I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Um, 100%. Because I think that um, – I think – and it's, as the further along that they keep going with these stories, too. Yeah. They're going to want to work with different characters. Definitely. So I, I see – I do see – I don't know if it will be the next film. I don't even know if it will be a Hugh Jackman film. It may be a reboot. Yeah. But I can see, I can see Omega Red coming into one of these, uh, like a solo Wolverine film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's too big of a well for X-Men villains. We haven't had our Mr. Sinister right, yet. Right. You know, yeah. Oh, there, yeah. There's, a, there's so much going there that I, 
I think it's not going to happen there. But yeah, yeah, Wolverine solo movie, very, very good possibility. Do you think that they're going too soon with Apocalypse? No, I think it's time. You think it's time? I feel like fanboys have wanted this since the first X-Men movie came out. So it's just like Fox's way of saying, hey, we're going to give you what you want. Yeah, I feel like, especially, I mean, once you've done Days of Future Past, I feel like that's the next biggie that everyone wants. Yeah. Everyone says Age of Apocalypse is their favorite shit ever. That's true. Not that it's going to have anything to do with that, but it, it still has made Apocalypse that name that e- even like people that aren't big X-Men reader fans still know the name Apocalypse as an X-Men villain. When you first heard about this, though, did you think that they were saying, like, did you think that they were biting off Marvel Studios and just being like, oh, okay, you got you, you guys threw in Thanos, okay, we're going to throw in Apocalypse? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. But after you saw Days of Future Past, did you think it was warranted? Yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I agree. I It was definitely warranted. I'm excited for Age Age of Apocalypse, I almost called it. Yeah. But what what is the official name? Is it just X-Men Apocalypse? I think it's X-Men Apocalypse. Now, the comic was called Age of Apocalypse. Well, the mini, the series, like the crossover was called Age of Apocalypse. Exactly, but it's too close to Age of Ultron. Yeah, which is a bite-off. I'm I'm sure they named Age of Ultron Age of Ultron because of Age, Age of Apocalypse. Apocalypse. They both but it's all Marvel. It's not like yeah. the different studios wrote the books. Exactly. It's very Secret Wars, Secret Invasion. Yeah. You know, they're just going to... And the comic did come out like a year before the movie was even announced, but yeah, yeah. still. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Um, funny, funny story here. This is Hugh Jackman. Have you ever watched the Graham Norton show? No. It's on the BBC. He's like a... Uh, he did have like a uh, U.S. Um, uh, show for a while and it like people just didn't get into it for some reason is there guest on it he's a talk show host okay i think i've seen clips from mm-hmm. it a couple times when like a band that i liked was on it yeah he's a he's a gay talk show host and okay. he's absolutely hilarious okay. oh my god he's so funny i love the graham norton show <laughs> hugh jackman was on graham norton and uh shared this really funny story he was while he was filming a naked scene in days of future past okay he said there was a very intense first scene, and I insisted on a closed set. I ran round the corner, and all the female members of the crew were gathered there. I tried to cover myself and cut my inner thigh. <laughs> it was just the inner thigh, thankfully. The metal claws had to go. You can't have bits and pieces flying off. He basically said he he almost cut off his dick, is oh, what he's saying. He almost snicked at his fucking dick off yeah he almost snicked it his dick did it uh, addicted it. <laughs> yeah so i thought that was just pretty pretty funny of the story that he threw out there on graham norton that is funny yeah <laughs> so wow yeah he was using i guess he was using real metal claws in some of these scenes that's that's bizarre yeah so yeah almost cut off his uh wolverine almost snipped his dick you'll have that that would have been a fun blooper. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Simon Kinberg, he's the screenwriter, producer for uh, the Fox Marvel films. He was in an interview, and he talked about whether Deadpool will cross over into the mainstream uh, mainstream X-Men films. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess this needs to be addressed, I yeah. guess. I mean, uh, he said there's definitely a sort of overall plan that we've all been talking about for the X-Men universe now, and Deadpool obviously fits into that. So, yeah, I, I guess I would say it's part of uh, certainly an overall timeline and thought process that goes into these films, some of which is inspired by the comics and some of which is inspired by seeing what Marvel's done with telling a larger tapestry and linking all those movies together. 
even as they stand independently as well. The same kind of thought is going into these X-Men movies at Fox. So, I mean, I'm not hearing anything that I didn't expect to hear. I thought, like, once they uh, announced the Deadpool movie, that, yeah, he would be part of the larger X-Men universe. Yeah. If it's a Fox movie dealing with an X-Men character, then I assume it's part of the same universe. Right. Very much like the Wolverine movies. Do you think, like, if Deadpool is introduced into, like, an X-Men film, okay, we get the Deadpool movie. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, we're going to throw him into, like, uh, an X-Men film. Do you think, like, there's going to be, like, little side things where he d- he's still breaking down the fourth wall within an X-Men film? Yeah, I think it just all depends on how over the movie goes. Okay. If this movie is a blockbuster hit, then yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, but if it's kind of a flop, then they're not going to add elements of the flop to the next X-Men movie. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know? But we'll have to see. I think that would but be... But if it's a flop, it's flopped twice because, like, I mean, it flopped in X-Men Origins Wolverine and then it flopped again. I mean... Yeah, this is make or break for Deadpool. This is huge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Simon Kinberg, uh, he was also talking with Collider and he elaborated on those X-Men Apocalypse comments that he made that we talked about last week about the conclusion of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. He said, I will say that X-Men Apocalypse is definitely the close of a trilogy for those first class characters which isn't to say we won't see them in future movies hopefully we will but it's a completion of an arc for them i think that the friendship between eric and charles which has always been so integral to the franchise is something we're continuing to explore and hopefully deepen with apocalypse and the relationship between beast and mystique is a really interesting one that we didn't have a lot of time to explore in Days of Future Past. So we'll have an opportunity to do more of that in Apocalypse. Um, he then went on to talk about what he thinks is so interesting about the character of Mystique. He says, part of what's really interesting about Mystique's character is that she is in some ways the child of both Eric and Charles. She grew up with Charles, and then she sort of became a woman with Eric. So her being the cross-pollination, if you will, of those two philosophies and those two men is something we can explore in the movie, too. So it sounds like it's going to be a more – it's going to be more Jennifer Lawrence again. Like they're trying to appease to Jennifer Lawrence's character of Mystique in Apocalypse. We're going to see a lot more of her in this film. Yeah. Unfortunately, that almost seems like a negative of having Jennifer Lawrence play the part. Like because you have Jennifer Lawrence playing Mystique, you ha- you're forced to write X amount of material for her in the movie. What would you rather have though? Would you rather have like, okay – um, just shit like Halle Berry Storm, or would you rather have like a like a Jennifer Lawrence standout performance as Mystique? Yeah. Or do you not think she's like a standout performance as Mystique? You know, honestly, I don't think she's a standout performance. So as you Mystique. think she's better as like Katniss or like like the role that she played in like uh, what is it, American Hustle? Yeah, or in the other um David O. Russell movie, yeah, the Silver Linings Silver Playbook. Linings playbook. She, you think she's better at those types of movies that she doesn't need to be a highlighted character in these movies? Movies. Yeah, I feel that way. I, I'm not jonesing for more Mystique. There's been nothing in the previous two movies where I was like, oh, they really need to flesh out Mystique's character more. Right. I mean, I wish she would just come in. She, If she's in it for 10, 15 minutes and just gives the goods, I'm good with that. Like, yeah. I don't need a bunch of Mystique backstory. I don't need more on the beast-Mystique relationship. It does seem that we are kind of like um, sacrificing – the overall apocalypse story to finish the story from 
the story from first the, the story that first class started yeah and that's, doesn't it exactly and that's doesn't kind it? of exactly what i'm complaining about yeah is we have to make room for this because jennifer lawrence is in the movie and well it's not Mystique. even jennifer lawrence too it's like oh let's let's go into more of like the eric and charles stuff yeah you know it's like are we are, are we're gonna go we're gonna go further down that rabbit hole with them and then mystique on top of that and then we're gonna throw in the relationship of beast and mystique on top of that and we've got a apocalypse story yeah, it, it, a lot of that sounds like the bringing in the Charles um, Magneto stuff kind of sounds like the explanation of why they have to give Mystique more time. Yeah, like the, oh, this is really why we have to give Mystique more time because she's so such an important character because she was with both characters. Right, you know? it's kind of like their excuse for why we're getting it, more of it shoved down our throats for another movie. Yeah. It doesn't sound like we're getting like a movie that's like apocalypse centric, really. It sounds like we're getting more of this like, oh, let's understand more of like Eric and Charles and then like their relationship with Mystique. Yeah. And then why that might affect Mystique's relationship with Beast. Yeah. I, I want to see a fucking team movie that like we saw in Days of Future Past. We saw a great team movie from those future X-Men and that's what I want to see is I want to see a future X-Men team like in the 80s or whatever – I want to see an X-Men team that's working together. I don't want it to be just like, let's give screen time to certain characters. But are we worrying too much? Yeah. Like maybe Brian Singer, like he like he did a great job in Days of Future Past. Are we worrying a little bit too much? Should yeah. we have more faith in Brian Singer? We, we should have more, more faith in Brian Singer probably and, and Simon Kingsburg. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one thing we haven't talked about that I think about is – Whenever I think of Apocalypse, I don't know about you or the rest of the listeners, but I think of Archangel. It's hard for me to separate the two characters. Yeah. And they've already kind of done that thing a little bit, right, in X-Men 3? Yeah. But but it's all been wiped out. It's all been wiped out. Exactly. Exactly. So do you think we'll see Archangel in X-Men Apocalypse? It would only make sense that they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can. It's not like we're working with like Marvel Studios. Like if they did a Civil War movie and they can't introduce certain characters, it would only make sense to introduce Archangel into this whole thing. I mean, I mean, we've seen Angel. Let's introduce Archangel. It could happen. Yeah, and in this in the new continuity. Yeah, I agree. I think we probably will see him. And another thing I think about is when I think about Apocalypse. Is Apocalypse is always that guy that kind of takes an X Men. And converts them just like he did Archangel into a bad guy. Right. Do you think there's anyone in the current cast that's probably going to fall under Apocalypse's spell and be an agent of Apocalypse, you know? Like that he's going to turn? Maybe that could happen to Beast. And maybe that could be like a wedge between Beast and Mystique's relationship. Yeah, that could be. You know, I mean, we've seen characters turn throughout like the X-Men, this, this, this renewed trilogy. I mean, we've seen characters be turned by Magneto. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I could definitely see that happening here, especially when, you know, like, especially when, you know, you are dealing with mutants battling other mutants. You know, it's not like he's choosing humanity. Not in the least. I mean, this is another mutant that he can kind of like relate to and like, you know, like, like, uh, take on his like views and like understand him. Yeah. I see what you're saying. With Magneto, it's like Magneto brings up such good points that you fall under the sway of his politics. Right. But with Apocalypse, I think of it being a little bit more mystical, right. where it's almost like you fall under his fucking voodoo. Well, it's, a, well, it's, it's almost like a god complex. It's yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, uh, like almost like worship. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a little bit of mysticism there when it comes to Apocalypse and him having sway over certain people. Yeah. I, I, I'm really excited to see how they deal with Apocalypse. Yeah. There's, that's a that's a huge undertaking to adapt that character into a movie. Could um, Archangel be one of the four horsemen that we saw in the distance? I feel like he, if he was going to be in the movie, he would definitely end up being one of the four horsemen. Well, Jay had a great point when Jay was on the podcast. Like, the characters that died in the previous movies could come back as the four horsemen. Oh, that's fascinating, too. Maybe Cyclops could be one of the four. Well, Cyclops is back now. Oh, but Cyclops is back now. See, Jay was talking about Banshee died. Oh, gotcha. And uh, what was the girl with the wings that died in the first film as well? Mm. Oh, I forget what her name is, but that's, that is a good point. Yeah, he talked about those characters coming back and playing uh, you know, the four horsemen. That makes sense. Ra- Apocalypse is raising people from the dead yeah. and making them into, into yeah. His servants. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that movie more than I would have if Days of Future Past bombed. I don't even think this movie would be would be made if Days of Future Past bombed. No, I agree. It'd be reboot time. Yeah. Thanks to Days of Future Past, we're getting one more. Yeah. Um, in an interview with Yahoo Movies, Cyclops actor James Marsden, mm. he has named his ideal successor to play Cyclops. Let's hear it. Um, he's in this new movie movie called The Best of Me. Uh, and he wants his co-star, Luke Bracey, to play Cyclops, cause, uh, Lou Bracey, Lou, Luke Bracey plays a younger James Marsden in this movie. It's like a romance. It's based on one of these fucking, uh, the, the guy that wrote the notebook. Oh, Nicholas Sparks. Nicholas Sparks. It's a Nicholas Sparks movie. <laughs> There's been lots of news about him this week. What's that? What's, a, what's He's the been news? getting lots of bad press that he's some giant bigot. Really? I yeah. haven't read this. Yeah, I was telling someone about it, and they were looking at me like doe-eyed, like I was just pulling shit out of my ass. Yeah. And they actually did a joke on last night's SNL News about Nicholas Sparks being a bigot. Huh. So it's 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 media now. Wow. I thought that was interesting. Well, um, yeah, James Marsden says that Luke Bracey, he's like, yeah, that, w- that would be great if Luke Bracey took over as Cyclops. Uh, then he could just eventually take over being me. Then I would never get another role as long as I live. <laughs> um, however, don't take Marsden's playful answer as confirmation that he's hanging up his visor. He says, who knows what's happening with X-Men Apocalypse. It's all just speculation at this point. If recasting does happen... It was because of a timeline issue. I know so little about that whole world. So it looks like he hasn't been contacted, but he's not not expecting a phone call either. Yeah, I fully expect um, Marsden to be in this movie in one capacity or another. Right? I think this is a chance to reboot. I think this is a chance to reboot and recast. But then why show him at the end of the last movie? Well, because the last movie did take place in the, uh, in the, uh, 2000s. Yeah. Um, you know, closer to our time. Oh, I see where we're going. And we're going to go with the 80s. So, I mean, we could have a younger, a younger actor play him. I was being stupid. I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking about the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's not like they have to get this Luke Bracey, but they could get a younger actor to play him as long as they don't get Zach Efron. I'll be happy. Makes total sense. So. Check Efron. Zach, get the F out. Ron. Oh, man. I liked The Neighbors. I just did not like him. I thought, uh, what's his name? Dave Franco was so much better than him in that movie. Yeah, I have not seen that. You need to see it. You do need to see it. Okay. I, it, I mean, I gave, I think I gave it a taste it, but like, uh, Zach Efron was like the worst part of that movie in my opinion. Ugh, yeah. But Dave Franco was so damn good. Huh. Um, so we haven't gotten our Doctor Strange casting. No. Which some... in itself is strange to me yeah. at this point. 
yeah, Doctor Strange when we're going to get some news on this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree um, that it has to be that Marvel is at, um, you know, kind of like a uh, kind of a place where, like, after Joaquin Phoenix kind of walked away from it, they, they're at a point where they don't know where they're going now. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like holding up any announcement. Um, they just... You know, like Joaquin Phoenix kind of like stepped out of this whole thing. You read about that, right? No, I didn't read the whole press about it, but I, yeah. knew, I, I have, I knew that he's definitely not doing it. Most yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, he's 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 not doing it. He's yeah. not going to be Doctor Strange. Um, now, a new rumor coming from a uh, it's a smaller website. It's called This Is Inf- Infamous is claiming that quote Ethan Hawke is their new guy, having offered him the role on Friday. I hear that Hawk accepted the job over the weekend and things have quickly progressed into contract talks with a six picture deal being what Marvel is hoping to lock him into. Um, I think that personally, I think that this rumor is just being, I think it was put out there. This is before Joaquin Phoenix walked away. Mm -hmm. I think the rumor was put out there to put pressure on Phoenix's camp. Mm hmm. Uh, it, 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 as a negotiation tactic by Marvel and basically Marvel saying, Joaquin, if we don't settle on this, on this soon, we do have other options. Um, or, you know, this story could be 100% completely fabricated too. Mm-hmm. But I think like once this story got out there, that was kind of like, maybe like that was like, uh, maybe Joaquin was just like, oh, okay, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to spin the story. Well, I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, it's hard saying. This story definitely went pretty viral. So, I mean, yeah. Joaquin was actually um, aware of it. What do you think about it, if it is true? Uh, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. As um, as Doctor Strange? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes sense. I, I mean, I think I, th- I think he could pull off the look. Uh, he's a big name yeah. in Hollywood. And I know some people on, like, Facebook said, that, like, you know, Ethan Hawke's kind of fallen off. But I don't think that you guys have seen Boyhood. Yeah, I love it, too. So, um, uh, and, and it makes sense. I mean, he did work with Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson was his director, uh, in Sinister. Yeah. A couple years ago. It makes sense to reunite these guys. He has the look of Dr. Strange. He has the acting chops in my ability, in, in my opinion, excuse me. Um, so, uh, 100% agree with everything you're saying. I am totally down with, um, Ethan Hawke being Dr. Strange. Yeah. Let's do it. Ethan Hawke is Dr. Strange. I love it too. Um, the thing is though, even a few months ago, Ethan Hawke sat down with MTV and they talked about him and they said that, you know, Scott Derrickson got, uh, the, the director position, um, for Dr. Strange. And they said, what about you as Dr. Strange? And this is what Ethan Hawke had to say. Let's hear it. I know you worked obviously with Scott, uh, Derrickson a couple years back. Uh, what do you think about him taking on a Marvel movie, uh, Doctor Strange? A lot of people have also mentioned you as a potential Doctor Strange. Well, mention it to him. <laughs> you, you know? Um, the thing about Scott is that he's a filmmaker. I mean, uh, he's the real deal. And the reason why, you know, people, you know, there's a lot of money being made off horror films and things like that, but it was really clear to me when I met him that he knows about film and cares about it and knows that he knows how to make a scary movie like Hitchcock knows how to make a scary movie. And I really, I really mean that. I, I loved, I've been making movies since I was 13, and when I was on the set with him, I felt like I didn't know anything. You know, because he, 
he knows so much about the math of that genre. Right. I mean, it was really fun. I got to watch the uh, the sinister premiere at South by with Scott on one side and Rick on the other. And Linkletter doesn't like to go to horror movies very much. And and you know, and it it's a work of a real filmmaker. So if whoever he casts in right. that Marvel movie, uh, it'll be great. If the phone call comes, you'll take it though. I'll take it from him. Sure. All right, so he said if the film call if the call comes from Scott Derrickson, he'll take it. Yeah. So I mean, I God, I, I think this is what needs to happen at this point. I think so too. Yeah, one if this is true that they have reached out to, out to him, it seems like he'll definitely take it. Yeah, it's pretty. We're pretty quickly going to hear that this is what's up. Do you think Marvel would stoop to these kind of tactics, though? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't actually. I think they're smart enough to know that that kind of thing would scare Yaquim off. Yeah. And that maybe it was a slip-up even, too. Maybe someone at the Marvel camp said something to the wrong reporter. Yeah. And then that got out there, and they're not happy about it either. Right. You know, maybe it was that kind of thing. Who knows? But I just don't think that Joaquin Phoenix's Doctor Strange was meant to be. I don't think so either. I I never imagined him wanting to be in anything other than a solo Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. If you were going to say this is it, this is a self-contained Doctor Strange movie that's not in the overall Marvel universe, he would bite on that yeah. much quicker than he doesn't want to be in Avengers 3. He doesn't want to be in the end credit sequence of Iron Man 4. He yeah. doesn't want to do any of that kind of shit. Did you did you watch Sinister? Um no. You should watch Sinister. It's good. It's a taste it. It's a taste it as far as horror films go. Okay, I sh- definitely should check it out. I always actually check to see if it's on the streaming services, but it's never been on them. Yeah, it it's good. Um and Ethan Hawke was really good in that movie. And like, you know, Ethan Hawke is a guy that's like come out in the past and I mean, he was offered the part of uh Batman back when Val Kilmer was offered mm-hmm, it and mm-hmm. he turned it down. He said like, you know, like I'm not going to do movies like that. You know, he was more like your Joaquin Phoenix mindset. Yeah. Like he wanted to do like the independent stuff and the stuff that like, I guess, meant something. Well, to be fair, I mean, movies like that, talking about that Val Kilmer Batman movie isn't necessarily meaning like superhero movies. Oh, I know. It was kind of a farce. But I mean, he's – Ethan Hawke, come on. I mean, whatever credibility he gave that – quote back in the day that he's not going to be Batman. He yeah. like totally shit on it when he did uh what was that movie with Selena Gomez? Oh yeah. Getaway or whatever it was called. <laughs> I I agree with that. But yeah, the superhero genre itself has so much more credibility now yeah. that it's like a different thing, you know. Oh yeah, when you've got actors like Robert Redford doing movies and uh, Glenn Close, I mean, yeah. and, and the, even the, Del Toro. Even the filmmakers, I mean, compare your your no, you know, your Nolans and you know, even Zack Snyder that I don't like to like your yeah. Joel Schumacher. Do you think that? Do you think that um, Marvel wasted the role of the Collector on Benicio del Toro, and they could have used him as Doctor Strange? Yeah, that would have been interesting. I, I don't know. I think I think Benicio is a little bit too. I don't know. I don't know if I would have enjoyed that or not. Really, a Benicio del Toro Doctor Strange uh, pair him with uh, Scott Derrickson? Yeah, I, I think that would have came off as unintentionally funny. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I can't put my finger on what's bad about that. But well, something about that is like I, I'd still rather see Ethan Hawke as Doctor Strange. Yeah, definitely, or any of the other choices. That, mm-hmm. That's. I don't think they wasted him as the Collector. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a fun, kitschy role. Perfect for. It was good for him. For him. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was just throwing it out there. I, yeah, I like it. I like spitballing the shit. Um, 
So yeah, I God, just give us a fucking Doctor Strange casting already. Yeah, they keep waving this shit in our fucking face, right? Yeah, and it's it's and they're not shooting for people that we haven't heard about. It seems like they are going for an upper tier actor. It, they're not just going for your like, you know, we're not doing we're not casting Chris Evans. We're not casting uh Chris Hemsworth. We're we're casting somebody that they want a known name. Yeah, they want fill in the blank is Doctor Strange exactly on the poster. Exactly. So yeah, uh, Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, he had an interview with Yahoo Australia, and he addressed his ongoing career with Marvel and what the future holds for him and Thor after his current deal has expired. I wanted to play that audio because I thought it was something that I thought we needed to hear. Let's hear it. Lost creatures to defend you. You have made me very desperate. We're not a team. We're a time bomb. All of Hollywood can't get enough of the in-demand Australian actor. Come April next year, the Melbourne native will reprise his popular role as the Crown Prince of Asgard, Thor, in the Avengers Age of Ultron. It's three times I've played the, uh, the character now. Uh, has made me look at it in a different way. And we just shot the last Avengers, um, finished a couple of months ago, and it was uh, as exciting, if not more, than the first one was to see all those characters come back together. The first Avengers movie went on to make more than $1.5 billion at the international box office. So, when will Hemsworth hang up his iron hammer? At some stage, yeah. I've I've still got three more uh, in my contract uh, that I need to uh, finish off, but I love playing the character, so... um, you know, I'm not in any any hurry to, to to finish doing that. You know, it's nice to be able to fit different things in between. He's on the move again. So I think that was I wanted to hear that. I think I think people need to hear that interview because we've got Chris Evans saying, "Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do after my contract's up." We've got Robert Downey Jr. He's on the fence about like Iron Man four or like going forward after Avengers three. And you've got finally you've got Chris Hemsworth who's saying, "You know, I'm not ready." To like give up the hammer. Yeah, thank God. That would be so hard to recast Thor and yeah. have that not seem off putting. Yeah. So. so finally we've got somebody saying, like, you know, I I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna resign, but I'm not saying that, you know, oh okay, you know, I'm ready to hang it up. I, I like that, and that was refreshing. I think people need to fucking hear that. Yeah, I like it too. He's got three more movies. I imagine we'll have a Thor three, I imagine we'll have an Avengers three, and we'll have him somewhere else too, right? Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Robert Downey Jr. talked about Iron Man 4 and his amp- his answer about Iron Man 4 was like really cryptic. Did you hear this? Yeah, it's grown. Uh, in a talk with a Hollywood reporter, he was asked about coming back for Iron Man 4, to which he replied, I'm sure we'll ride that thing. You've got to surf that all the way into shore. So basically, he's saying that there is, you know, there's a huge demand for him to play Tony Stark. You know, you know, whether that huge demand is coming from, you know, the fans of Marvel, which, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if it all comes down to, like, you know, how much money Marvel's willing to offer him. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it sounds like a combination of those two things. I think he knows that people want him to come back. I think it's, at this point he's basically saying, like, yeah, you know, uh, there's a price tag now. Yeah. There's a price tag now. And there was a price tag when he signed the two the two more pictures. Yeah, he does this every time. He does this every time. There's a price tag on him now as uh Tony Stark. Definitely. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a little arrogant. 
So, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, both camps want it. I think Marvel wants him to come back and do Iron Man 4, and I think the majority of fandom wants him to come back and do Iron Man 4. Yeah. So he's kind of got Marvel by the balls a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, you got a movie that made $1.3 billion. Yeah, that's why he's got him by the balls. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, okay, we, next week we've got this movie called uh, The Judge that comes out. Oh, yeah. What do you think that he's hoping for from the judge? That it's a huge fucking hit. Absolutely. Or are you thinking that he's think, hoping that you know he's going to be more than a uh, an Academy Award winning uh, an Academy Academy nominee? He's gonna he's gonna be an Academy Award winner after this movie. Uh, that's definitely what he wants, you know. And I think Iron Man Four is kind of a safety net to him more than anything, mm-hmm. and that he'd prefer, you know, prefer not to use it unless he had to. Have you heard what the critics are saying about the judge? No, I haven't. They're not blown away. Hmm. They're not blown away by this movie. Hmm. It's definitely his Oscar bid. It seems like it is definitely the Oscar bid. So, who directed Judge? Oh, that's a good. Qu- I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Gotcha. That's a good question. Uh, but. Uh, it's not going to hurt us. I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. I don't think the judge is going to hurt him. I think it's going to be a good movie, but whether it's going to be like one of these movies that's going to get like Oscar recognition at the end of the year is another story. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't say there. Yeah. So looks um, like a decent movie. Yeah. It looks good. It looks good. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see it next week. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm on the fence. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. Um, but, um, yeah, and I'll probably have a good pop, bad pop review of that. But uh, might wait to hear what you say for that one. Yeah. But uh, I just want to see more Robert Downey Jr. movies. And, I, you know, and, and it's also kind of like to gauge, like, where he is. Like, if I feel like this isn't like a like a, like an Oscar performance, you know, I'm going to kind of – I'm going to worry a little bit. Like, holy shit, you know, this guy's going to move on to bigger, better things. Maybe he can leave – you know Tony Stark behind. Maybe he can put the he can put the Iron Man armor down and like do these other types of movies and like rack up these accolades. It's a shame though, because like like on one hand you've got Chris Hemsworth who seems honored to be able to do as much Thor as possible. Hugh Jackman, and yeah, Hugh Jackman too. And then and then on the other hand you have like Robert Downey Jr. who with these comments he kind of like puts his nose up at the franchise a little bit. Yeah. Um- but on the flip side, I mean, this guy shows up to Comic Con wearing like the Iron Man hand, yeah, stuff like that, and he totally plays up to the crowd there, and he, he loves definitely it. plays up to the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit of a showman, though. I right? Think. Do you think like like you know at the end of like a musical performance, like Robert Downey Jr. just wants to hear the cheers and the roars from the crowd, and like. You know, like after they finish their set and they're done with the show, he just wants to hear those roars and cheers from the crowd, you know, and when you think the concert's over, he comes out one more time for that last performance that'll just blow you away. Yeah. One can only hope. Yeah. So. I think we're going to see Iron Man 4. I think so, too. Yeah. I think it's safe money. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We're going to get Iron Man 4. Yeah. Hopefully not the version that there was a rumor about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The rumor oh, about the the Iron Man four rumor. weren't we going to discuss that? Uh oh shit! Yeah, we're going to totally talk about that right now. There's more to the story, like you said. Iron Man four deadline. They sat with Robert Downey Jr. and he revealed that he would come back for Iron Man four if they got a certain director slash actor to do the movie. Um, an actor slash rede- uh, director that needs redemption in the eye of the public. That man is 
Mel Gibson. Here's the conversation with Deadline. Deadline says, Marvel badly wants Iron Man 4, and you've said that you aren't doing it. How about the idea you'll do that movie if Mel directs it? Downey said, correct. Deadline says, is that our headline? Downey said, why not? That movie would be bananas. So Downey is, Robert Downey Jr. is 100% serious about this. He's not saying that he won't do Iron Man 4. Okay. Yeah. He's not saying like, if Mel Gibson doesn't direct it, I'm not going to do Iron Man 4. Um, cause earlier in the interview, he said that there are tons of factors that need to be considered before doing Iron Man 4, but he wants to help out Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson and him are close friends in real life and, and Gibson was there for him in a rough time and now Robert Downey Jr. wants to help him out. Um, yeah. I, I have, we're going to talk about this, but I have audio of Robert Downey Jr. asking everyone for forgiveness for Mel Gibson. And I'd like to play that real quick before we give our thoughts on this. Is that, is that cool? Oh yeah, let's hear it. All right. Actually, I asked Mel to present uh, this award to me for a reason, because when I couldn't get sober, he told me not to give up hope and he urged me to find my faith. Didn't have to be his or anyone else's as long as it was rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired, so he cast me in the lead of a movie that was actually developed for him, and he kept a roof over my head, and he kept food on the table. And most importantly, he said that if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoings, and if I embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, uh, hugging the cactus he calls it. He said that if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man of some humility and that my life would take on a new meaning. And I did, and it worked. Um, all he asked in return was that uh, someday I help the next guy in some small way. Uh, it's reasonable to assume that at the time he didn't imagine the next guy would be him. <laughs> Or that someday was tonight. <laughs> so anyway, on this special occasion, and in light of the recent holidays, including Columbus Day, I humbly ask that you join me, unless you are completely without sin, in which case you picked the wrong industry, <laughs> in forgiving my friend his trespasses, offering him the same clean slate you have me, and allowing him to continue his great and ongoing contribution to our collective art without shame. He's hugged the cactus long enough. All right, so that's the audio clip. I wanted to play that first. Jake, what are your thoughts on Robert Downey Jr.'s comments? And um, it's it's very admirable. I mean, it's hard. What Robert Downey Jr. is trying to do is very admirable. Um, I know these two have been friends since they were in Air America together. And what Robert Downey Jr. says is true. I mean, Mel Gibson, without Mel Gibson, Robert Downey Jr. may have not even have been Iron Man in the first place. It was really a lot of his PR that helped Robert Downey Jr. get his shit back straight and everything. I just, my standpoint is I have a lot harder time forgiving Mel Gibson than I ever did Robert Downey Jr. You know, Robert Downey Jr. made lifestyle choices where, you know, he kind of let alcohol and drugs 
kind of get away with them and everything. And right. for me, it's a lot easier of something to forgive, especially when someone cleans up from that than it is for kind of what's given Mel Gibson bad PR. Yeah. I have a lot harder time forgiving Mel Gibson for, you know, the anti-Semitic remarks he made yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, that I have a, a very eclectic family and a large Jewish portion in my family. And that, that kind of stuff really like hits home and I really don't like it, you know, so it, it really bothers me. And I know it should be, you know, everyone should forgive people and accept that people have changed and everything, but it's still a hard pill to swallow for me. Right. And so, you know, things are said. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to take that back. You can clean up and, and be sober and not be drunk anymore. But how am I ever supposed to know that Mel Gibson still doesn't believe those things he said? Exactly. He's just not saying them anymore. Right. Robert Downey Jr. can prove that he's not an alcohol an alcoholic anymore because he's not an alcoholic anymore. It's yeah. invisible. But I, I never know what's inside Mel Gibson's head, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's hard for me to forgive. Yeah. No, I... I'm right there with you. Um, you know, and I, I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, back in the day before, like, all this happened, mm-hmm. if you would ask me, like, who's your favorite actor? Back in the day, dude, before all this shit happened, I would always say Mel Gibson. Yeah. Mel Gibson is my favorite actor. We share the same birthday. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, Mel Gibson, uh, I loved him as Riggs in the Lethal Weapon movies. I loved him, like, even in, like, The Patriot and, like, uh, what was the war movie that he did with Sam Elliott, you know? Oh, yeah. We were soldiers. and The big one I always think of is Braveheart. Braveheart. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Braveheart was fantastic. And I'm he's even done some great, you know, d- directorial work. I loved uh, Apocalypto. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that Mayan civilization, the way that he made it look on screen. I just thought it was a fantastic movie. I loved it. Um do I want to see Mel Gibson come back? Um, no. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's great that you had Robert Downey Jr. come up there and give that speech, but we don't know what's going on in his head. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's the thing. Like, we don't know what's going on in his head because, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, he's hugged the cactus, whatever. But, I mean, he said some really, really bad things yeah some terrible things yeah and i mean in in a heat of anger in the heat of anger when he said those things he meant them yeah he definitely meant them and i don't want to repeat what he said i don't want to you know no. like bring attention to the comments he made but right. most of you know <laughs> it's out there so yeah yeah no no on mel gibson iron man 4 i toss mel gibson directing iron man 4 yeah, the only movie that I would like if if I felt like Mel Gibson had like um changed his ways, blah 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 blah, if I could see him directing anything, it would be the Black Panther movie. Yeah, because of the way he made like I said, the Mayan civilization in Apocalypto, what he could do with Wakanda would be kind of cool. Yeah, I think a good way, I mean this is totally off the kind of stuff we talk about normally, but I think a good PR move for Mel if I was Mel Gibson's PR agent. Yeah. I would tell him to direct a movie that dealt with um, Jewish heritage and that that could actually possibly be a way to prove that he really didn't have resentment, yeah. that he was willing to delve into some serious Jewish history yeah. and put that to film. 
That's a good, yeah. That, that would actually show to me, okay, this guy, you know, is not an anti-Semitic asshole and yeah. that, that he really does, you know, care for history and. Well, there's, there could be some like behind the scenes stuff at like the end credits where they show Mel Gibson interacting with people that were like, you know, that ha- had gone through some things and like the, uh, during the Holocaust and, and things like that or just, you know what I mean? Just going to Israel and like meeting some of these people and things like that, you know, and saying like, you know, because he's very close-minded with like the things that he said in the, pla- the past. Yes. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and just making those bold statements and things like that. But just like, people, I think people can change. I think people can convert. Like we've seen like people on talk shows that were like members of the KKK, and that have like totally converted and things like that. You've seen that happen before, where they break down. Yeah. And you know, you know what I mean. And that's what we need to see from Mel Gibson, and that's what we have not seen. I I, I completely agree. It takes a smart person to hear different opinions and then change their own opinion yeah. based off of new information they've heard. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think I could possibly forgive Mel Gibson eventually and yeah. see him as a viable Hollywood commodity. But that time isn't now. Right. And I don't think doing Iron Man four is going to change my feelings about any of this. Right. So yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not uh, hankering to see a fucking Mel Gibson performance and. He wasn't even that good in The Expendables. Oh, so. yeah. I forgot he was in that. No. No. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause, and we'll come back, and we'll finish up with some Star Wars news. Hey, we're back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Star Wars news. Now, there was a huge Star Wars Episode 7. Um, it was a huge Star Wars Episode 7 rumor that came out this week. Yeah, big. Huge. And it was huge spoilers, and it basically had to do with like the end of the movie. Um, and I think this one might possibly have some legs. To the, you know what I mean? That like mm-hmm. this might be real. And like if we talked about it on the show, it could spoil a lot for our listeners. Do you agree, Jake? I do agree. Are we going to talk about it? I think we are going to choose not to. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like if, if the movie seven hadn't come out yet and we were telling you about Gwyneth Hetra, Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. Yeah. It's like yeah. a little too early for that. Exactly. And and so, I mean, the story's out there. If you want to look it up and, and if you haven't read it, if you want to look it up, it is out there. Um, and there's a follow-up story to that saying that it might not be what it seems to be. But um, if you want to look it up, you can. It's out there. Um, but we're, we choose not to talk about it. We've read it. Yeah. And uh, – yeah, I, I think we're just going to take a stance on it and say, like, we don't want to spoil it for our audience. We, w- w- me and Jake, we like the speculation. Yeah. Uh, we like hearing about, like, the, um, we like speculating on things and we like hearing about, uh, you know, like these different locations, like what's going on there? Like, who's this character? What are they doing? And stuff like that. But when it comes to, like, major, like, spoilers like this that could be true, 
to actually reveal them on the show. I think we're doing a disservice for people that maybe don't want to hear this, that they still want to listen to our show because they want to hear what our thoughts are, what our thoughts are, and they don't want to like fast forward through the show. But I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody if this does have legs, like I think it might. I agree. I, I would, I would want to do the same for any movie. Like, just like with Batman v Superman, we speculate how it's going to end yeah. with the formation of the Justice League and yeah. so on and so on. But if all of a sudden it comes out there, hey, here's the final scene of Batman v Superman, right. I don't want to talk about that either. Right. It's like the same kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. Oh, oh, speaking of Batman v Superman and spoilers, before we go back into uh, Star Wars news, yeah, let's hear it. there was a funny uh, – Ben Affleck was on uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Oh, yeah. And uh, I want you to listen to this interview. It's pretty fucking hilarious. Oh, great. Yeah. But you, let's talk about you and the, and the work you're doing, the good That's, work you're doing. Uh, thank you. The tremendous work you're doing. Thank this you. This Gone Girl – first of all, you're in two of the most – uh, highly anticipated. You got Gone Girl, you got Batman versus Superman. Two of the most highly anticipated, highly secretive. And this is no, and I hate to, to do this, but it's the, okay, so here's the thing. If I can. Don't give anything away. Stop okay, it. Okay, no. So in, in Gone Girl, he kills his wife, and then in Batman and Superman, <laughs> Superman defeats Batman. So it's. <laughs> what the f? I'm just telling them. Are you kidding me? You, I have a. Talk with you these five are, minutes ago, and the thing is, like, hey, we're in show business. Cut me in on the thing. I did not know. You show. did not say, don't tell everybody on the show. You <laughs> said to me, March of 2016. But I thought that's why you didn't want me to wait. I thought you didn't want them to wait. <laughs> it's actually cool. All right, Come thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, he didn't spoil. It was all a joke. Yeah. So well, he did kill his wife in Gone Girl. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. Um, <laughs> watch Gone Girl. Watch it. Watch it. It's good. It's a great movie. Um, so let's see here. I want to talk a little bit of Star Wars news. Uh, director uh, Brian Stillman has a film called Plastic Galaxy. Okay. Which, uh, quote, explores the groundbreaking and breathtaking world of Star Wars toys. Ooh. Through interviews with former Kenner employees, experts, authors, and collectors, it looks at the toys' history, their influence, and the fond and fervent feelings they elicit today. Um, I think this is a great idea because, you know, Star Wars toys are a phenomenon and, and there are some really diehard collectors out there and some of the original figures, if, you know, if they're still on the cards and they're in like, you know, great condition, I mean, they go for thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars pretty much created the phenomenon of tying a toy line into a, uh, movie franchise or a television franchise. And they've made it a multi-billion dollar industry yeah i mean that's the legend is is the studio laughed at lucas when all lucas wanted was a hundred percent royalty rights for all the merchandise oh and he made a killing yeah and he made a killing so i wanted to play the uh trailer for uh plastic galaxy all right let's hear it <laughs> to an eight-year-old kid star wars was a drug I wanted to be part of the, that Star Wars universe, and I really felt like having the toys was the way to do it. Star Wars was not just another toy that you had as a kid. It changed everything. It changed film. It changed toy. It hit people on a level that's unparalleled. To the best of our estimates, Kenner sold three quarters of a billion action figures.
I was a part of something that had an impact on a whole generation of children, and they're still enjoying it today. My time at Kenner, those four years, are probably the most fun I had in the toy business. I was there. I was a part of it. It was something bigger than me. I still care about these toys 20 years after I started collecting them for the same reasons that I enjoyed them in the first place. I like Star Wars. Uh, the sense of nostalgia that I get from owning these hasn't diminished at all, and I still get a thrill out of them. All right. I love that music. <laughs> it's like Tron or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so 1980s. Yeah, it was very 1980s. Um, yeah, I, uh, the movie, it's uh, 67 minutes long. It's available to stream for $4.99, or you can purchase it for $12.99, and it's available on Vimeo. Oh, gotcha. Dang Vimeo. I don't really have anything that, that accesses it too well. You know... It, well, the thing is, like, yeah, and like they're charging way too much for this shit. Yeah, that is way too much. Yeah, just to stream it is four ninety nine. Yeah. Come on, two dollars stream. That's ridiculous. Yeah, two dollars stream. Oh man, twelve sixty seven yeah. minutes for five bucks. I, I mean, know it's just a little over an hour. I want to see this, but don't take my fucking arm. Yeah, um, yeah, I would love to see this. And uh, you, uh, what I think is great is that they're talking with like former Kenner employees too. Yeah, they're going out there talking to these people. And, uh, I mean, maybe they're, dude, I would love to see some of like the history and, and shit like that with the Star Wars toys. Yeah. I would love to see it. I'd love to see some of these people's collections too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, bad news. If you were a fan of the Jordan Hembro, uh, hosted, um, Toy Hunter. Yeah. Got canceled. Oh, wow. Travel Channel canceled it after, I think, two seasons. I think it could find a better network. Find a better network, Toy Hunter. Well, that's what we need to do. We need to get listeners and things like that. I've already done it. You know, I've uh, sent a tweet to uh, Jordan Hembro and uh, Travel Channel and said, hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Let them know. I mean, just like people were going crazy over Dread Day. Yeah. And like trying to bring, uh, like, get people's awareness of the Dread movie and bring, you know, Carl Urban back to play, you know, Judge Dread for Judge Dread too. I mean, if you're a big fan of Toy Hunter, because there's not a lot of shows like that out there. No, yeah, it was, yeah, it was very good. You don't see that. It's like a Toy Hunter Pawn Stars, basically. Yeah, it was great. And I mean, you don't see that out there. I mean, maybe this needs to go on like Sci Fi Channel or, or even like Discovery or something. You know, um, a show like this needs to be on the air. It's, it was a great show. I loved learning the history of these toys, some of these toys that I didn't even know about and toys that I remember growing up, growing up as a child and playing with. Like, he, he was bringing them back on TV. I loved this show, and I'm upset that I'm not going to get a season three. So, yeah, tweet Jordan Hembro, tweet Travel Channel, tweet Sci-Fi, tweet Discovery Channel, some of these other networks, True TV, whatever, and let them know that Jordan Hembro needs to be – he needs to come back and do season three somewhere. Yeah, let's show Travel Channel what a bad what a bad choice they made. No shit, man. I mean, they've got some good shit. I'll, I'll admit it. You know, they've got some good sh- – they've got some good shows on there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Jordan Hembro was, like, one of the reasons that I did watch Travel Channel. I'm not going to watch it as much as I used to now. Yeah, I don't blame you. So, yeah, fuck. That sucks. <laughs> um, got some more news uh, from MakingStarWars.net. They've been, like, a big source of Star Wars news coming out lately. They talk about uh, a creature that may appear in the film. Uh, here's the article. I just wanted to read it straight from MakingStarWars.net. Mm-hmm. Here's another description of a piece of art created for Star Wars Episode Seven: A dark room, brick walls, 
an alien creature sits at a table in the dark. On the table, there is a bright fire which illuminates the room. The fire is not huge, but it heats a crystal sitting on a perch just over the fire. The blue crystal looks like it is for a laser sword. The creature has been uh, the creature has brown, wrinkled skin, and we see his profile as he faces to the right of the room. He looks similar to the creature in another piece, but very old and isn't clear if he's the same species or not. On the table, there are lots of tools. None of the tools are particularly technolog- technologically advanced. The tools on the table all appear to be brass. The creature wears a red tunic with a red headband. His arms appear to be at his side and under the table as he watches the crystal heat over the flames. The creature is very Star Wars, but might also be at home in the Dark Crystal. The creature Hmm. working on the crystal resembles the Felutians from Star Wars The Clone Wars if they were textured in old, wrinkled brown skin. Um, I cannot say with 100% accuracy it is a Felution, but it is very close, and the concept art appears to show more of an overbite than the Felution from The Clone Wars. I also should note that in the initial description of the laser sword being activated, I thought they were outside in the cover of night. They might be in something closer to a catacomb. I can't say with certainty if this crystal worker is repairing the saber. They will turn on in the other depiction or if this is another weapon. It appears both uh, John Boyega's character and Daisy Ridley's character use laser swords, but it isn't clear if they have them before the film begins or if they acquire them over the course of the story, it also isn't clear if this creature is the same one from the R2 unit picture or an elder of his. So Here's a Felution, by the way, from Clone Wars. Ah, okay. okay. So they're like, like lizard, like upright, humanistic right. lizard people. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. So it looks like um, these Felutions, it sounds like they're sitting at a table. Yeah, and they've got these uh, crystals and um, these uh, like brass pieces of metal or whatever on the table. Do you think that there's the mo- they're the ones that are uh, making uh, lightsabers? Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd, that'd it, be cool. It sounds like they are like uh, you know, like in Harry Potter. Harry Potter, you've got like uh, what's the dude that that does the wand? Oh, Oliver. Oliver. Uh, yeah, that's his name, Oliver. Yeah, I, I, I forget like his first name. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess the fact that you that you make your own lightsaber as a Jedi is not canon anymore. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just ta- I'm just taking a guess here because, like, I mean, you know, Luke didn't make his own lightsaber; it was his father's, correct? Yeah, I think you're right, and I don't think that's ever stated in the um, six movies. I think that was all expanded universe stuff that okay. all that came out of. Yeah. So yeah, it could be anything. I'm making the lightsabers could very that could very well be that. Yeah. I don't know. That that like that, that's all I got. I don't know. I don't know what to take from that. Like that's all I could that's all I could think of is um I'm excited to see more puppets, more practical creatures. Yeah, they said uh they're in a bright okay, they're in a room and there's a crystal sitting on a perch over the fire. The blue crystal looks like it is for a laser sword. Um, so it looks like these are the ones that are making the uh, the lightsabers for the Jedi's. Maybe that's where they get them from. I don't know. Hard to say. Or maybe this one that's in the movie is a Jedi, and he's assembling his lightsaber. Ah, okay. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just throwing that out there. Right. He could be like the Hatari Hanzo 
Oh, yeah. Of the, of the Star Wars universe. If you don't get that, watch Kill Bill. <laughs> He's the, the sword maker. Right, exactly. He's going to make the best lightsaber possible. <laughs> right. Um, TotalGeeks.com had info about a possible Star Wars battle scene that was filmed in Wales during a location shoot in the Forest of Dean. Here's the uh, interesting parts from that article. Uh, quote, one thing I heard while sitting with some crew members was the sheer quantity of extras involved. Hmm. We're talking thousands of extra hands on set. I currently have no idea whether this was in reference to the shoot at Puzzlewood, but I would suggest that's probably the case, mostly because it seems that they were filming a rather large scale battle sequence out in the woods. That's right, folks. It looks as though Star Wars 7 will feature a battle scene with thousands of extras. But that's not all. I have it on good authority that the Puzzlewood shoot involved a full-scale battle which surrounded a pivotal fight scene with some of our main characters. The actors involved, question mark? None other than John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and Pip Anderson. I also had heard uh i also had word that adam driver was on the scene and spotted him skulking around the hotel but i was unable to establish his exact role in those scenes but judging from the state of ridley and boyega's stunt doubles they were in for quite a workout of course the fact that pip anderson was involved is no big surprise and leads me to believe that he was chosen due to his parkour background whether or not he's playing a hero or villain remains to be seen, but I can't help thinking that J.J. might just have cherry-picked the best element of the prequel trilogy, a Darth Maul-style villain. Yeah, I, I got to imagine that's why you cast a parkour guy is to deliver some amazing um, lightsaber action and battle sequences. Yeah, I thought they were staying away from that, though, because I thought like the way that they said like John Boyega's character held the lightsaber with two hands, that they were going to go back to more of your traditional like Jedi-style fighting. I think it's a character-to-character basis. Okay. Because even in the prequels, they kind of did that to an extent with uh, Christopher Lee's Count Dooku. Yeah, kind of did their traditional lightsaber thing. So yeah. in episode two, they they kind of kept it a little bit more traditional for a little bit of the fight. Yeah, and there's nothing to take away from like those fundamental Jedi or those fundamental like Sith. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to be all flashy. You know what I mean? Like Vader himself wasn't like parkour. No, exactly. Like the Vader versus Obi Wan battle in Episode Four is anything but parkour. Exactly, but it was still amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um. Did you hear that um that um John Boyega and Daisy Ridley they uh they shut down their Twitter accounts? No, uh, no, I did not hear that. Yeah, um they are gone from Twitter. Were they told to? Probably the studio. We don't them. know. We don't know. That's the thing. That's a big thing. Like um uh you know, you, we've heard like that people have been flying over mm-hmm. um you know, sets over there in England and like taking pictures of the Millennium Falcon and things like that. But um, these Daisy Ridley and John Boyega have been really vocal on Twitter and showing pictures and things like that. And uh, all of a sudden, like maybe like a week ago, their Twitter accounts were shut down. Yeah, I bet the studio shut that shit down. They might have asked them to. I, what, okay, they, they, okay, that's that's the thing. Um a lot of people have been saying some really mean things to Daisy Ridley. Yeah. There's been a lot of positive things, a lot of positive things. Like people have been like, oh, you know, you guys look like you're really into it. You guys are – I think you're going to do a great job with Star Wars Episode Seven. 
but there's also been like threats. Oh, yeah. To Daisy Ridley. And so people think that when she shut her account down, John Boyega to stand with her. Yeah. Shut his account down too. That makes sense. Yeah. So I there, can see that. there's also that side of it. So no more scoops from them. Yeah. Well, John Boyega's Instagram account is still up. Oh, there you go. But I don't think he's doing any picture Instagrams anymore, but yeah. It's they, still up. They want to leak their own photos. They don't yeah. want the stars of their movies involved in leaking stuff from the movies. Right. So, um, there's some more rumors that came out of Star Wars 7 news. Um, a very interesting report was posted on our, uh, here's the report. It says a very interesting report was posted on our very own message board, the cantina. The person who made the post did a very detailed description of a scene and several characters from episode seven. Um, let's see here. The cantina members, King 3000, who appears to be in the know regarding some inside information posted the following details on a few scenes. Okay, so there's a cantina scene, and Daisy Ridley arrives to cantina in search of Han or Luke, I believe. She is confronted by an alien. She lifts her blaster to him. He then takes it from her hand. Don't point a blaster at someone if you're not going to use it, and points it at her. At this point, Chewie, with arm arm bandaged in a sling, intimidates the alien. What good is a one-armed Wookiee? Chewie then rips the guy's arm off and hands the blaster back to Daisy. <laughs> Ford was not present at filming this, but they cut to the outside of the cantina as a planet moon is blown up outside. Han is present here, wearing a thin-cut waist-length leather jacket, boots, etc., and a, a matching outfit. Oh, and he still has his blaster. I don't know if he has just arrived to meet up with Daisy and Chewie, but he is cutting through the crowd of onlookers as everyone is witnessing the destruction of whatever was blown up in the sky. Note, not 100% if Boyega was in the scene, but he was present wearing rags or untidy clothes. Um, have you heard the rumor that in this movie, and I heard it's debunked, I heard it's not true, but like Chewie when they show him in this movie, like we heard about him in this scene having a bandaged arm mm-hmm. in a sling. I heard the rumor that Chewie is going to have a robotic arm. Like he lost his arm. I've heard that rumor too, actually. Yeah. I heard I, it's debunked though. I heard they said it's bullshit. Yeah, that, that is crazy. That scene you're describing is definitely like an ode to the episode four Panda Baba scene. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, yeah, I don't like you either. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of funny. That's kind of cheeky. Screenshot two, they say King 3000, he also described a Stormtrooper helmet that he claims he saw himself. If you remember a few weeks ago when the first Stormtrooper images were leaked, there were reports of a new black helmet that reminded of that were reminded of the TIE Fighters pilot's helmet, but kind of different. Mm-hmm. Here's what he said. The character I Photoshop from memory in my avatar is an ex-Stormtrooper. He wears an original A&H helmet painted black which is battle damaged, has a pipe coming from the breathing part connected to something I believe on his back. Hmm. There is a leather band holding ammo to the side of his helmet and five or six arabesque symbols on his helmet. He wears a large fur coat, has a staff and a blaster and holster across his chest. I've seen this helmet with my own eyes and it's 100% real. Sounds cool. 
Um, let's see here. Excited to see variations on Stormtrooper helmets. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of different variations of Stormtrooper helmets. In got, this. got to sell them action figures. Right. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, a couple small things. Uh, let's see here. Let me try to pronounce this name. Uh-oh. Nian Num <laughs> is a returning character. Seems as is already known Ralph McQuarrie's concept art is being heavily used. Three of these wolf characters would have been lurking around set and lots of little people. Later, after being asked by other members, King 3000 made some more clarifications on the blown moon. Not sure what is not sure what it was exactly. Just people were told to react as if a planet was blown up. Huh? Uh, but there was a huge blue screen out of the back of Pinewood, and I, I don't know if the terrain there was uh, slab floors or, and grass, but uh, we'll, be sh- we'll be in shot. Could give us an idea to, of to which planet this is happening on. We've heard rumors of another Death Star, so another blown-up planet? Yeah, that's cool. I like the idea of seeing it through, like it's happening so close that people are standing on another planet witness it happening. They see it happening. That's fascinating. Yeah. I just don't know about another Death Star. Yeah, I, I'm scared of all the references to the old movies. Like, I, yeah. you got to have a little of that, but you don't want to go overboard where it's just every scene is, is in some way an ode to something else that's happened. Right. It's like, come on, between the cantina scene you were describing and right. now this Death Star scene, it's like, will there be an original scene in this movie? Yeah. So yeah. hopefully. It just sounds like a lot of fan service at this point. Yeah. Um, this, this specific scene was shot weeks apart. The interior was done before Harrison was back and the exterior was done when he was back. See, I have only been told about this by someone on production. So I don't know if they are going to digitally insert Han into the interior shot or if Daisy was looking for him and he arrived outside just as the object in the sky was destroyed. So sounds like, you know, they're trying to work around Harrison Ford being injured. They film this shot, and maybe he's, like, imposed in this scene later on. Yeah, that makes sense. But, or, or but he he's, very, he's watching this planet being destroyed. Or he very well could have met them at this bar. Right. And they walk out, and then he's there. That makes yeah. sense, too. Originally, I was told she was looking for Luke, or... May or I may have remembered this wrong, but seems it was Han she may have been in search of, and when she found him, he was not in the cantina, but Chewie was. Um, Looking for Luke in all the wrong places. (laughs) 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 Oh, and not 100% sure if Boyega was in the scene, as I was told, of his role. But he was on the set in costume on both dates, I was told this. So he probably was with Daisy. All I was told is that he looks like he has been dragged off the street and put on set. Apparently is very rags rags looking hmm. so like that rag untidy look yeah we're talking like, about like he's been some kind of hermit or something right um i am more inclined to believe it was set on the same planet where the green well okay the rags like the clothing and stuff like that yeah like we heard scenes like maybe he crashed or something like that and she took care of him oh yeah maybe I, she ripped off like the bloody clothes and stuff like that and he doesn't have like clothes that fit him so he is wearing rags at this point yeah that makes sense yeah i like it um you go on to say i am more inclined to believe it was set on the same planet where the greenham common filming happened 
this was something I specifically asked, what does the train look like? I was told just the back of pine wood, slabs, grass, etc. This is total speculation and piecing together by me. I am wondering if something was destroyed in the air, be it planet, moon, etc., as a warning shot of some sort of, uh, as some sort for the rebels on that planet. Either way, one thing is for sure, I am unwavered about this. Whoever the bad guys are, they got firepower. Mm. On the guy with the helmet, I know it's not Boyega under the helmet. The actor is a white guy. But the other stuff you posted seems good. This film is drenched in Ralph McQuarrie and, and throwbacks, by the sounds of it, but also moving forward with new characters and concepts. Something else I, something else small I remember, this character from Jabba's Palace is said to be in the film. Uh, which, me, which one? They say Hermie Odell. Oh, that doesn't sound familiar to me. At first thought, I think they may have met the guy from the Abu Dhabi filming, but I was told he was one arm longer and one foot longer than the other. Also, he seems to be a butcher or a run meat stall at a market. (sighs) That's weird. God, I don't know. Yeah. Just all over the place with this news this week. Well, and especially if it's trying to be more like the classic trilogy, it's so hard to say what are just throwaway alien stand-ins or and yeah. what are things that actually matter to the story. Right. Like there could be tons of these creatures that we're describing that are just scenery. Right. Like, you know, like they did a lot of that in the originals with Bosk and – What's the thing that's in Return of the Jedi that's in Jabba's Palace where it's like the brain on the spider legs? Yeah. And everything. And there's lots of this little, you know, throwaway aliens and characters that could just be that. Yeah. And they might, they, they might be thinking they're major characters when they are, like you're saying, like just throwaway characters. Yeah. I mean, cause they spent a lot of time and, and effort developing the look of these characters that were nothing but basically background scenery. Yeah. So it's hard. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Exactly. So that's our Star Wars news this week. Um, and this is episode 61. Yeah, episode 61. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Are we still, Are we going to sing the Beatles song when I'm 64, when we get to 64? We could do that. <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> I hope you still listen to us when we're 64. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Frank will be back. Yeah. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there, comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture.
it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.